gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival, and I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Monday, April 27th, 2015. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Oh, what a day we have wove here at Discount Gold and Silver, and gold today is doing a nice job. Gold is up 2170 right now. At 12.03.10, we have silver up 64 cents today, up over 4% on the day, which is nice, 16.49. We have platinum up $25 at 11.53, and palladium was up 8 at $781. The USDX today was trading slightly lower, 0.12 at 96.74. Crude oil today was down 0.32. 56.83. And the last hour of trade, you saw the Dow drop 41 points, 18,039. The Nasdaq's down 31 at 5,060. And the S&P down 8 at 2,108. Ten-year yield is a little bit stronger, 1.92%. Euro still trading at 109, up 0.06. And um, foreign markets, the DAX, uh, the German DAX was up uh, almost 2%. London was up a half a percent. And we have Hong Kong, the Asian market, up uh, one and a third percent, up 372. And Nikkei is still sort of just hanging out at that 20,000 level. It was down uh, only 36 points, so... That is it, the very greed index. That dropped a little bit. We're looking at 59 greed. Uh, last week, I think it ended the week in the 60, 65 range out of 100. So it's 65 beginning. meaning more inclined to fear. More, more for more. greed. More for greed. The lower it is, the more fearful it is. So we're still between neutral and greed. So Statistically. Statistically. Where do you think we should be? Baby, we should be 100% fear <laughs> with what's going on and everything that uh, uh, it, it, it's, I mean, when you're prepared, you don't have to be fearful. Be prepared, not scared. And that's how folks need to view things when we go through this and we see things change. But uh, you know what I think? What do you think, Al? I think their fear and greed index Having two poles, and you're either more fearful or you're more greedy. And I think that's a mistaken index. It's an unreliable, it's an incomplete index. I don't doubt that it's 
that the idea is fundamentally true. But I think there should be a third pole on that index. It should be kind of triangular rather than just lineal between two points, fear on one end, greed on the other end. We need a third pole on that, and that is smarts. Got a fear, greed, and smart index. The smart poll would be for the people who aren't fearful, and they're not greedy, but they do have brains enough to look at the situation and say, hmm, I think this is where it's going. Well, smart is not an emotion, though. I don't know. So you'd have to have a separate... Fear and greed index is that it, it it makes no allowance for people that are looking at things, perhaps objectively, and not seeing their judgment colored by their fear emotion or their greed emotion. How about an unemotional poll for people to say, hmm, I think I'll buy low and sell high. Right? Maybe I can filter out the fear and filter out What's the What's the fun in that, Al? <laughs> <clears throat> well, the fun is when you actually, if, you're, if, you're, if you are truly smart, but we know the Mark- fun is that you actually wind up making a profit as opposed to merely going into panic and anxiety every time your investment jumps up or jumps down. Oh, my gosh, the sky is falling. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to get rich. No, oh, maybe maybe we need a third point. Fear, greed, and smarts. Well, we get that, and we know that fear and greed are the two driving emotions behind the market, and you're absolutely right. We see it in the gold market. Um, you know, people don't really begin to load up on gold until you see the cracks. And when we we begin to see the cracks or we have even a a situation, we go back to 2008. I mean, we, we, you know, how many years did we talk about the the problems in in real estate and all the problems that were facing us? They were rewriting the bankruptcy laws. There were all kinds of signs. What did people do? Oh, sure. And you're right. There was the smart ones who were buying, you know, who were getting in prior to, but a large amount of folks, they waited until it actually happened, and then they started, you know, to buy, you know, gold and, and preserve their wealth and so forth. So you'll, you know, you always have that, uh, those strong emotions that uh, now they're in the stock market because that's greed, you know, 18000 And, you know, there's silly predictions out there. Maybe they're not so silly where you'll see that the Dow go under 31000 and and so forth, and it's, well, you know, I'd say I'd, look at, I'd also amplify this notion, which is just now crossing my mind. Um, the people that are subject to fear and the people that are subject to greed are people who, to significant degree, simply follow trends. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? If it's going up and you invest in it because you're greedy and you say, hey, look at the trend, I can, I can make money on this. If it's going down, you say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose money. I've got to bail out. <clears throat> These people are following trends. You get to the smart people, and they're not necessarily following trends. They're following fundamentals. And they're saying, regardless, I'm not fearful. The trend is going down right now. It's not going to inspire my fear because I look at fundamentals and I say, wait, This is a temporary blip. This has to come back to a different level of reality. It's not a cause for fear. It's simply a cause for smarts. Likewise, if the trend is going upwards, it doesn't necessarily mean that you jump on it and you say, oh, oh, I'm going to be greedy. If the fundamentals aren't there, stay away. So I'm looking at them to amplify this idea. Fear and greed follows trends. Smarts follows fundamentals. 
Is when it, it's a hypothesis. It's just a little theory we're proposing right now, and maybe true, maybe useful, maybe not. When we were at the height of the financial crisis, the fear and greed index, that actually sank to 12. And uh, the index gained some ground to 28 before some of the stocks finally bottomed out in March of 2009. And here we are today. So, I mean, they do take in, you know, this is just, I don't put a lot of, I certainly wouldn't base any investment decisions on this little index. Neither would but, I. Uh, I, you know, I mean, that's not the point. That's not the reason why I bring it up. And it is interesting to see how, you know, what does, what, which uh, emotion is driving where we're headed. They take the stock price momentum. They take the stock price strength. Uh, they take into consideration put and call options. Uh, they take into, I think, in consideration junk bond demands, safe haven demands. But usually that safe haven demand is just is truly based on, you know, just treasuries, you know, not gold, of course. But uh, um, so, I mean, they do take in these various indicators in order to get the number. So, but, uh, no, I, I, and I agree with you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, fundamentals are the way to go. That's the only way that you should, you know, be making investment decisions. And that's why I always concentrate on the fundamentals when it comes to gold and silver. I mean, there's all kinds of theories out there regarding the COMEX and everything like, you know, you know, the shortages and, uh, and certainly these can all play a very important part in the future when, when the price of the metals uh, uh, continue to, you know, when they begin to rise again in, in this economy, the cracks get bigger and bigger and we begin to see bigger problems. But uh, um, stick with the fundamentals and uh, you just really can't go wrong. I mean, you just can't. Well, you can. It depends on your time frame. I mean, you can go with no, fundamentals today, go, and you can lose no. money between now and tomorrow. But you go with the fundamentals today and look at a year, two years, five years down the road. And gold and, silver, gold and silver are long-term investments. So we, if if people are looking for a short-term investment in gold, they should probably, if for you know less than a year, they probably shouldn't get into gold and silver. Um, you know, you know, it all goes up. It goes products, down. It's, it's, there's certain products that you can purchase. I mean, I do have clients who are looking to preserve what they, the cash that they have. They don't want to put it in the bank, and they do want to put it into gold. And there are certain products that you buy in order to do that for a short-term basis. So, I mean, you can do it, but uh, certainly it isn't a rule of thumb. Well, Warren Buffett made the comment he wouldn't buy anything that he didn't feel comfortable. You just buy it now and don't look at it for 10 years and feel comfortable that it would still be in a, a valuable investment and a profitable investment 10 years from now. That's one of his alleged principles for investing. Now, I don't, I don't doubt that he invests you know, on shorter term, but that 10-year idea is he's looking at fundamentals. That's all he can be doing is looking at fundamentals. There is no 10-year trend that any of us can rely on, absolutely, other than the trends themselves are subject to go up, they go down. That happens. But Warren's looking one of the handful, two or three best investors in the history of the world. He's looking at what's going to happen in 10 years. And that's how he's, that's part of his selection process for what am I going to invest in? I want to invest in something that will be valuable and profitable 10 years from now. Well, if you have a direct line to the White House, I'm sure most of us could be pretty good investors, too. And uh, certainly he's an insider. He's one of the elite 
and uh, certainly he gets uh, additional advantages uh, in order to uh, make those great investments decisions. So, you know, know, when you you support the Bank of Americas and so forth from, you know, yeah. I mean, he was right in there supporting these these huge banks during their collapse. The Bank of America should have went under. He's in there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He might have started out as a young investor that did very well in the beginning. But, you know, of late, of how many years, he is certainly one of the elite, certainly an insider, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, without that inside trading, and that's my opinion, I can't, you know, I don't want to get myself into trouble, but uh, um, you wonder how well he would actually do without it, mm-hmm. without those ties to the White House. I agree, House. but you've got to get to a point. Still, it took some smarts to get to a point where he was considered an insider. You can't Maybe he was an insider from day say. one. Maybe he was a date. No, Maybe doubt. he was in. I doubt that he was just some guy who started investing, got smart, or got lucky. Some of us just get lucky, and they say, "Oh, you're a genius." No, maybe you're just lucky. I don't know how yeah. Berkshire Hathaway started out. I do have a customer who he was putting himself through college, and he saw he, and that's how he did it through investing. And uh, he put a few bucks in this stock and take his profits, and that's how he paid for college. And Berkshire Hathaway was 500 bucks around that area, but he couldn't afford $500. And at that point in time, and of course this was back in the 70s, and um, so today if he was able to hold on to those shares, it certainly would have been worth a lot more. But uh, So anyway, what's next, Al? We can talk about Baltimore. All right. We have a problem in Baltimore based on Freddie Gray. Died in police custody under circumstances that the police have yet to explain. All right. Um, And we're not talking about he died yesterday, an hour after the arrest, under the mysterious circumstances, and we'll get the story. It's been a week or more, and they still haven't explained what's happened. The the result is that people are demonstrating, at least in Baltimore, they're concerned that the police have been shooting. It's basically blacks. Not only, but basically blacks demonstrating in Baltimore. Police are shooting too many people. And there's a point to the demonstrations. This is I've seen a report that indicates that Freddie Gray, the guy that died, he was no angel. He was I've seen one report that indicated he'd been arrested and perhaps convicted something like twenty times previously. And And perhaps uh, the report suggested that if our law enforcement was more rational, people like Freddie Gray would have been locked up long ago on a permanent basis or a semi-permanent basis at least for five years or ten years, take him out of circulation. Instead, they'd catch him, arrest him, convict him, throw him back. Catch him, arrest him, convict him, throw him back. Put him back into the world. And if you give people a certain kind of immunity from prosecution, they eventually become more and more criminal. They begin to say, hey, I got the golden touch. I'm a magic man. I can get away with anything, and the cops can't jail me for any length of time. All right? And so we see Freddie Gray perhaps committing more and more acts. He was allegedly involved in drug dealing and all kinds of crime, a number of other kinds of crimes, allegedly. 
So, but what what gets me is given, and that's part of the that's part of the reality that confuses the situation in Baltimore. Freddie Gray was arguably a bad guy. Right? We can make a lot of people are going to make that argument. I'm sure that there are a lot of cops who won't admit it publicly, publicly, but under their you know in private they'll say the guy needed he needed shooting. No cops who think that way. I have no doubt. I can't prove it. I can't point to one, but I have no doubt. It's just a certain amount of common sense. Nevertheless, the fact that he was a bad guy doesn't justify him being executed, essentially, by the police. Huh? Here's part of, I'm reading from an article, uh, the Associated Press headline is, Thousands Attend Baltimore Funeral for Freddie Gray. And down there, uh, this is part of Again, Associated Press, this is amazing to me. Police said Gray was arrested after he made eye contact with officers and ran away. Huh? He didn't shoot anybody. They didn't see him shoot anybody, at least. They didn't see him rob a store. All this guy did was make eye contact with officers and he took off running. Now, it may be that he thought the cops were coming after him after being has, arrested, convicted, who knows, 20 times or whatever it was. He may have just naturally assumed that. All right, maybe he had a fistful of good, maybe he had a fistful of drugs in his pocket. That hasn't been reported so far as I know, but he just he's made eye contact, he took off running and he wound up dead. Now, he may be a bad man, but there's something wrong with that. You can't, the police can't simply chase people because they looked at the police. That can't be. And yet, in this case, it did. It, it is. It did happen. Now, the police are going to sit back and say, we know, Red, we know Freddie. He's been arrested a hundred times. Guy should have been put in jail and stayed for years. He just keeps on beating the rap and beating the rap. We knew he was up to something. And when he took off running, we knew he either had drugs on him or something illegal that he stole or was packing a gun or something. So they ran after him. Well, maybe he didn't have anything on him. He just ran because he was naturally afraid of the cops. And we talk about, on the one hand, Freddie Gray has been beating the rap time and time again, 20 times maybe. Right? He thinks he's immune to the legal system, and that makes him arrogant. But what about the police? I've seen reports, I've seen one report that calculated, I don't know the truth of the matter, I've seen it, I don't know if it's true or false. But it alleges that you are 70 times more likely to be shot and killed by a cop in the United States than you are in Europe. That's not a small thing. Assuming that that number is reasonably accurate, that's not a small discretion. It's not twice as likely to be killed in this country. It's 70 times. And why is that? Because the cops have immunity from the law. In a sense, Freddie Gray had immunity from the law because he'd been out there 20 times and nobody ever stuck him in the prison and made him stick. In the same sense, the cops have immunity from the law. We have two gangs of people who think we've got the crooks who think they're immune to the law. We've got the cops who think they can't be held accountable for shooting people. Maybe the solution is that everybody's got to be held more accountable. And when I say everybody, I mean both the crooks and the government. And an unaccountable crook 
just makes for more crime. An unaccountable government makes for more tyranny and oppression, which is worse. Somebody's got to start making everybody accountable. I'm Alfred Adasker with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Folks, I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. What's next, Melody? We have uh, Jim from West Virginia calling us right now. Good afternoon, Jim. Oh, good afternoon. 
you're referring to the Baltimore issue. There is a deeper underlying problem, which has really disturbed me for a long time. And finally, a fellow I knew, a long-time acquaintance, retired as a deputy sheriff about seven, eight years ago. And he said, here's the situation. You take some guy caught with marijuana, you bust him, you send him to prison, and he keeps the prison staffed with slave labor. He says, but the violent criminals are unwanted by the prisons. They don't make very yeah. good workers. That's right. They throw them out. Huh? Say again? They'll throw them out of the jail. They're running the jails or the prisons. They're running them like a business. They don't need any disruptive employees. Absolutely. Right? So you have that factor. He said there's another factor. He says the drugs are brought in by the police, by the various people, and they need their dealers. He said if we wanted to, we could clean out all these different issues. Mm-hmm. But we don't. I know a gal who has been in... Uh, Arrested for public intoxication 47 times. But the prison systems don't want her. She's What's kind the of Guinness disabled. record? Is she going for the Guinness record? Does you need over 50, or how many do you need to get the record? I don't know. But it's, it's very simple. Uh, when I was at West Virginia University, there were two professors arguing back and forth. One on the far left, one on the far right. It was kind of like Saturday Night Live. They would get together on Friday afternoons, and some of the kids would be out drinking a little bit. <laughs> these two guys would argue. One time, one of them said, the only laws that government will enforce are those that are profitable to the government. Yeah. And they do not enforce laws that are not profitable to the government. So we have an underlying problem. And also, my retired deputy friend said, the more violence that people are aware of, the more they'll say, oh, police protector me. We'll fund you more. We need more policemen. So there's this secondary underlying problem. Also, another federal contact uh, retired, and he said very simply, we could clean out all the gangs. The FBI has enough information. They could clean out MS-13. They could clean them all out. Yeah. They don't, and they won't. So therefore, we have criminals, hardcore, vicious criminals out on the street, and they hate the police. It's just as evil to shoot a policeman because he's a policeman as it is to shoot anybody because of their race or ethnicity or anything. But I agree. The, the problem is the police sit there and they say, my God, the judges let them walk. And then we got to go out and face these blankety blanks. And they got guns. He says, so, I mean, there's, there's, this is just definitely not good. So there's an underlying situation where they sit there and they say, oh, we have more violence, we need more police protection. So it's a little bit deeper problem than maybe this time. If Mr. Gray was a hardened criminal, violent in nature and what have you, who knows if my policeman went over the edge. It's two wrongs do not make a right. That's exactly right. And when we're talking about, like I was saying earlier, there's when we're freeing these criminals, habitual criminals are being freed. That's a problem. There's no accountability for criminals, but there's no accountability for cops either. They are granted special immunities where they figure they figure the only reason some of these guys are getting are being sent up is we saw one of the instances recently, I don't even remember where it was, they have a videotape, the cops shoot this guy in the back, and then he comes up and he drops a gun next to the dead body. Yep. Huh? The cops, this is part of their mentality. We can get away, we can beat the rap. 
We can get our way. The, the crooks think they don't have to obey the law. The cops think they don't have to obey the law. We've got two unaccountable gangs, essentially, that are facing off. Exactly. And the, my solution is both sides, not just to get tough on crooks, get tough on cops also. They can't simply be shooting people. That can't be the solution to every problem. Another thing that crosses my mind is this. I think the influx of the increase in people, the apparent increase at least, in people being shot by cops, we used to think in terms of cops, they were there to protect us if somebody tried to rob the bank. Right, we got a gunfight outside the bank or something. We, they would protect us against murderers, and they'd shoot the murderer before he killed somebody else. Right now, how many victimless crimes are the cops enforcing? They're not no. going after crimes necessarily where there is a victim and a real responsibility. This is a bad guy. He robbed somebody, raped somebody, shot somebody. He needs to go under any circumstance. What about somebody who doesn't have insurance on his automobile? Hasn't fastened his seatbelt. His taillight is out. We have circumstances where people get pulled over, and that was the one example. The one example I was mentioning, I can't remember the place exactly happened just in the last month or so. Guy gets stopped for some vehicle problem, and he takes off running, and the cop shoots him in the back. We can't just have a situation where the guy's taillight is out, and if he takes off running, we'll shoot him. If there's no violence, don't pull your gun. That is just as evil as can be. But let I agree. Me let me mention something about victimless crimes. Let's say I ride a motorcycle and I don't wear my helmet. I haven't harmed a single person. If I'm prosecuted as if I had harmed another living man or woman, if I am mistreated and fined and jailed or whatever, the victimless crime, uh-uh. I am the victim and the state is the criminal. Well, I agree with you. So... I agree with you 100%. And what's the idea behind victimless crimes? Why are they enforced? Uh, To keep the prisons stocked. Yeah, to to keep the money rolling in. To keep the money rolling in. Well, as a general rule... Constitutionally, if you don't have a witness that says, I've been harmed, I've been damaged, where is your your criminal accusation? We don't don't worry about that anymore. We just say, oh, you're violating, you didn't fasten your seatbelt. You know, we got people who can barely afford to feed themselves in this economy, and we have the cops going out there and fining them a couple hundred dollars. Some poor slob who Where can't hardly them? feed himself, and he's got to take pay another because he didn't fasten his seatbelt. We're amongst these people you're speaking to. We're one of those slobs. I know. Money is extremely tight to us. Yeah, I know. Now, there's even there's even another layer on this. Okay, the courts are in fact. Corporations, look them up on Dun and Bradstreet. Mounted.com. Okay, now let my maybe the audience doesn't. Now let me roll with this just a bit. So basically, because the courts are engaged in commerce, not just justice, they're engaged in commerce mm-hmm. because they are basically selling a product, which means we can enslave people, we can steal from people legally, even not lawful but legally. So the courts naturally side with the individual, the, the customer, the people bringing forth the charges. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So they please, the, they please the customer because they sit there and say, oh, they're the customer, so we have to do what the people who bring the charges do if we're going to have, continue to prosper. This is as evil as it gets. Now, you would automatically think they try to convict everybody of anything. No, the only ones they convict are the ones that they can employ 
in the prison systems. And if you don't believe me, look, look up CCA. Uh, uh, what's, uh, Correctional Corporation of America. Thank you. <laughs> so it's well known amongst the Patriot community. But unless and or until we deal with these other underlying problems, the drug war, where they want the gangs there to distribute the products, I was shocked to find out that there are parts of Charleston, West Virginia, where you're walking along and you see needles. And uh, somebody told me that there was a fellow who hired on as a policeman. I'm not going to say where, but after he was there for a year, he suddenly realized, oh, my God, the people hate us so badly. This is much more dangerous than I thought. Yeah. And he quit. So, anyway, the bottom line is there are good cops out there. There's bunches of them, and they know what the problems are. Now, I understand that, but I would disagree that they're good cops from this perspective. Mm -hmm. If you know what the problem is and still you're going to button your lip and you're not going to say anything about it, you're part of the problem. These, if you're going to be good, you have to have the courage to stand up, speak out about what you see that's wrong. It's not enough to just sit back and say, well, I haven't shot anybody. And while you know very well that other people in your police department have and nothing has been done about it. Well, it seems from talking to various people about this, there are good detachments of state police. There are not so good I agree with you. I agree. This is not a situation. I'm not trying to say that all cops are, are no. guilty or wrong or something like that. That's not my perspective. But there is a problem of unaccountability. And the problem is significant and massive because if it wasn't, why do we need blanket immunity, relatively speaking? Why do we need it for every cop? If there's only a couple of bad apples, we shouldn't need immunity for all the cops. Well, if there's only a couple of bad apples, jail them. Well, the idea believe. when we have immunity for all, it invites, if they're not corrupt to begin with, it invites them to become corrupt because they enjoy the same kind of immunity that Freddie Gray enjoyed. Well, I was speaking with a seasoned reporter who couldn't get anything past the editors, but um, she says it's been about 40 years, well, 30-some years ago, and he said corruption reaches a tipping point where everybody has something on everybody else, and yep. nobody speaks out about anything. Yep. Now, yeah. sooner or later, all these systems are going to fall. They're going to fail because anything built on this many lives will come apart. As the Federal Reserve note comes apart, all these governments out here, how do you run a government without Federal Reserve notes? So it will come apart, but if we don't have more people cleaning up their own messes, it's going to get worse. Now, I will say this much. I can feel there is a tide change where people are saying, we have bad cops, we have to get rid of them. I'm sure that whoever did the damage to Mr. Gray, I mean, he's on the top of everybody's list because you brought it down on all of us, and this is good. Yeah. But I just hope and pray we can minimize the violence. And, well, there was one uh, city, I'm not going to say where, uh, there was a policeman, and I had warned the mayor of this, uh, this town, this policeman was out of control. And about two years later, he unloaded his service pistol into the back of the head of a man who was seeing the same woman he was. There was a state police investigation. They said, oh, the policeman did nothing wrong. We're talking seven shots out of 40 cal. All right, in the point-blank range. Well, there was a suit. Uh, there was an undisclosed uh, settlement. Now, this is very interesting. And uh, I found out how much it was, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying exactly how much, but it, char it the cost 
every man, woman, and, and child in that town, uh, we're talking four digits. Now, here's the interesting part. That's Somebody one of the said, problems. When people get sued for committing crimes, it can't be that the fine is imposed on the taxpayer. Right. What difference does it make? You can sue me for anything you want as long as I can set the fine off and get somebody else to pay my bill. I'm not afraid go. of that. But when it comes out of your house, your mortgage, your car, and all of your financial welfare, including your pension, you have to pay. All of a sudden, people say, wait a second, I don't think I'm going to shoot anybody. Well, the cop did not go to jail. The taxpayers mm-hmm. paid, the, paid the burden on this one, paid the bill on this one. Now, here's something more interesting. Somebody decided we're going to demand an audit of this particular city. They couldn't figure out the where the money came from to pay the settlement. So yeah. I do believe that a lot of cities are carrying two sets of books. Absolutely. CAFR, yeah. Comprehensive Annual Financial, what is it, report? CAFR. Yeah, Com- yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if you own They carry stock, a budget can... that everyone knows about, and they carry a comprehensive annual financial report, which is after the fact and says, and if you read it carefully, it'll tell you where the money really is, where it went to, how much they spent. The budget is just a projection. It's like planning on our vacation. We're going to go to Knott's Berry Farm, and then on Tuesday we're going to go to Disneyland, and the next day we're going to go to SeaWorld. That's the budget, planning into the future. Comprehensive annual financial report required by law is what we actually did. This is how much money we really made. This is how much money we really spent. This is where we squirreled it away. Well, if you own stock in Exxon, for instance, you can get an annual report, their comprehensive annual financial report. Now, um, I've been aware of the CAFR issue since the 80s, and I got hold of a 2009 CAFR for West Virginia. They're just handed to you. No problem at all. And I found out a lot of the monies were buried in mortgage-backed securities, which are worth a fraction of what they say they are. The corruption is the auditors. The corruption has to do with the judiciary. The yep. corruption has to do with the private prison systems. The corruption has to do with the phony drug war. The whole, system, the, the whole huh? system is fundamentally corrupt. Flawed. Yeah. So I, I don't know which hand. It seems like everybody's ever tried to get a handle on this. The handle snaps off in their hand. No, because you're either going to get shot or somebody's going to make you an offer you can't refuse and say, yes, listen, Jim, why don't we just give you, let's say, $500,000 and you buzz off? Is that enough to keep quiet or should we send a couple of guys out with a forty cal and see how many slugs you can absorb? Well, this fellow who uh, retired for the deputy, he was a good guy. He's so clean, he squeaked. He was always, he drove real old cars and he was always taking security guard positions. He was so clean, he squeaked. And he said, yeah, if I raise hell, that meant that I would get fired instantly. And he said, I decided I was going to keep trying to do the right thing in the position I was in. He said, but the whole system has got to come apart. He says, I don't know the answer to it either. No, it's it's exactly, that's what's going to happen. And what we're seeing in Baltimore, again, we've got criminals that aren't accountable. We've got cops that aren't accountable. And we, it creates an inevitable for, what is it, the irresistible force and the immovable object. These things are colliding right now, and it's not going to be a happy ending until everyone decides, wait, we've got and, to have accountability. We also have to have commercials, Jim. I've got to thank you for your call. We've got to get out and get down. I'm Alfred Addis here on Financial Survival with Melody Cedarstrom. We'll be back in about three minutes. Please stay tuned.
obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 that's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Addis, here in Financial Survival with Melody Cedarstrom. Program is brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. What's next, Melody? Well, so far we have not uh, talked much about Operation Jade Helm. And uh, there, there's certainly a lot of information that is um, it's certainly being discussed. More and more information is being released. As, as time goes on, we're finding out a little bit more. Uh, even this weekend, there was a lot of discussions, maybe it's been longer than this weekend, about a possible connection uh, with Walmart even. So uh, we're not quite sure yet as far as the true connection, but there's certainly there's a lot, out that just doesn't seem to um, make a lot of sense or to which we feel comfortable about well, I've got an article here from the Washington Post, and the headline is Why Operation Jade Helm 15 is Freaking Out the Internet and Why It Shouldn't Be. They're arguing that Jade Helm is okay. All right, it's not no cause for concern. There's nothing going on here. But I say in the article, there, there's, this is the vast geographically and strategically. Uh, the, this mission is vast both geographically and strategically. And they're going to be elite service members from all four branches of the U.S. military will launch an operation this summer in which they will operate covertly among the U.S. public, and travel from state to state in military aircraft. Texas, Utah, and a section of Southern California are labeled as hostile territory, and New Mexico isn't much friendlier. 
Here we have the U.S. military will be operating covertly. That has to mean they're not wearing Army uniforms. I'm not saying that everyone in Helm will be operating in civilian clothes, but at least a significant percentage will apparently be operating in civilian clothes as if they were spies or secret agents or whatever. Now, someone... There was a time when if you showed up in a foreign country and you didn't have your military uniform on, you could be shot as a spy. As long as you were wearing a uniform, you were entitled to certain protections under the Geneva Conventions. Point. What are we going to do? What are, they, what are they training for where they have to act covertly? All right? There's something strange about this. This is the sort of thing we're sending an elite group of secret agents into the United States to train. And this is allegedly a training exercise. My next point is training for what? An invasion of Canada? England? Where are we going? If we're going to train these people to operate covertly in a, in a, in a nation that speaks English and is predominantly white, it seems to me that the training should be in anticipation of perhaps invading some foreign nation that speaks English and whose population is predominantly white. And where is that nation? Canada? England? What? Australia? Are we going to invade one of those countries? Or are we training, are they actually training to reinforce a police state in this country? They go on and they say, uh, here's an Army Lieutenant Colonel Mark Lestoria. He's speaking on behalf of the military. He says the nature of warfare is always changing. All right? I don't know if it's just the nature of warfare that's changing. I think the targets of warfare may also be changing. And people are legitimately wondering, is the military preparing to put secret agents into our country? Is the war going to be waged against the people of the United States? That's what's got people talking about Jade Helm. Huh? Who is the ultimate target on this thing? What is the target? Uh, he says uh, these guys are being trained, equipped, and organized to successfully conduct worldwide special operations in support of our nation's interests. We haven't had a war in support of our nation's interests in my lifetime. We have wars in support of special interests, but not the nation's interests. Worldwide, he says worldwide special operations, but he goes on and say refining the skills needed against ever-changing foreign threat. If, we're, if these guys are working against a foreign threat, what language are they going to speak against this foreign threat? You know, we have had a situation since they enacted the uh, Patriot Act back in 2001, which no one in Congress even read before they voted for it. It has established the foundation for a growing police state in this country. And people are concerned about that. People know about this. It's making them anxious. There was a time when, okay, we've got dangers, we've got problems here, and we have to, you know, bend a couple of, cut a couple of rules or whatever in order to defend against the Muslims and the terrorists. And, the rest of it. and people are beginning to sit back and wait, 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 wait. We're not defending against the Muslims. We're not defending against the terrorists. We're giving government license to shoot us. And for all the people that are concerned, I've seen one report, people say, oh, they're shooting black people. They shoot more whites every year than they shoot blacks. Right? They're shooting everybody. It's not just a racial situation. But what it is is a situation where the police themselves are not accountable. 
The solution to the problem, if a guy starts running, is shoot him. It doesn't matter if he's been... Again, we had, that, had the report a month ago. Videotape. Cop shot this black guy, run away from his car. Over what? It was something like a defective... It, it might have been he ran... I don't even remember. It might have been that he ran a stop sign. It may be that the taillight was out. That was all. This was a traffic beef that wound up with a man being shot and killed, murdered by a cop on videotape. Right? You can't, the police can't be trained and allowed to proceed on the basis of, we'll just shoot anybody who, who doesn't essentially jump as high as we say for them to jump. If it's a traffic beef and the guy takes off running, let him run. He's lost his car, tow the car, and when the guy comes in, it's going to cost him 150 bucks a day or whatever to get his car back, if he wants it back. And if he doesn't, fine, we'll auction it off. It cannot be the automatic response if somebody starts running, if somebody looks at you funny. If somebody does something that is nonviolent, you can't automatically react with gunfire. And yet that's where we are. And we see that, and it makes people anxious. We know that we are becoming more and more of a police state. And we look at Jade Helm, and we say, is this part of it? What are they training for? Are they training to put us into a bigger and better police state? Are they training to defend this country, or are they training to oppress this country? And that's the question. And no one has satisfactory answers, and no one cares enough about these answers to say, maybe we shouldn't even have Jade Helm. Maybe we shouldn't conduct these kinds of exercises in the United States, if only because they will be misunderstood Maybe it's not a good time for this. And so, you know, Jade Helm gets us talking to ourselves. And maybe we're right with our suspicions and maybe we're wrong. But government can't just sit back and say, oh, you people are silly. You don't have to worry about us. We're just practicing to take over an English-speaking population that's predominantly white. That's all. But not you. <laughs> we would never do that to the United States. You know. Hey, Scouts Honor, you can trust us. We're from the government. We're here to help you. A lot of people aren't so sure that's true. And we are not without reason. Growing number of police shootings. Police immunity, government immunity. You know? You talked about it earlier. The idea of this guy, Freddie Gray, got away with 20 crimes or thereabouts. They take him to court, convict him, and he gets out. He enjoyed immunity. Police enjoy immunity. Somebody's got to stop this immunity business, and we all have to be equal in front of the law. We can't sit back and say, oh, they're special. They work for government. They're entitled to immunity. No, they're not. If the law enforcers, if they're not going to be subject to the law, nobody's going to respect them. They will, indulge, they will inevitably abuse that immunity. And when they do, what happens? People ultimately start shooting, throwing rocks, throwing bottles, rioting, burning buildings, whatever. We all have to be subject to the law. Either all of us are equally or none of us are. And when the government says, we can be immune, but you cannot, there are people in the country that just say, no, that's the, <laughs> forget that. If you're immune to the law, I'm immune to the law. You don't have to obey the law, I don't have to obey the law. 
You know, the government is supposed to be the public servant, not the public master. When we give government these immunities, we actually set them up to be our master rather than our servant. And if anything, government should be held at least to the same standards as ordinary people. And more properly, as our servant, they should be held even higher standards. But at least they should be as accountable as we are. And when they say, nope, we can't be accountable, you can't hold us accountable. Well, fine. Now we have people that are concerned that Operation Jade Helm is going to be is, is, is a manifestation of the police state, the growing police state. People are angry, upset, anxious, fearful. We see people rioting, at least demonstrating, in Baltimore. And this has as much to do with police immunity. We had half a dozen cops who thought we can beat the crap out of this black guy. Okay, because we're cops, we'll get away with it. And they got too far and they killed him. They figured they had immunity. Freddie Gray figured he had immunity. What difference does it make if they arrest him again? 21st time he's arrested or convicted or whatever, he'll be out on the street like a magic man. Again, we're going to have to start holding everyone equally accountable. And if we're unwilling to do that, we are headed down a path that will, will only become more violent, more oppressive, more tyrannical, until finally the whole place explodes in the same sense that Nazi Germany ultimately exploded back at the end of World War II. Everybody was pretty pleased to be a Nazi for a while. They got their boots polished and they were goose-stepping down the, down the, uh, the boulevards and whatever, and it was impressive. But, in, but there was a kind of madness in that fascism that inevitably led to national destruction that caused Germany to be separated into two separate nations for 50 years. There is a kind of insanity in the police state that's growing in this country right now, which will lead to catastrophe, national, political, economic catastrophe. It will lead to it. And the only way out is not to build bigger and better police stations and jail people for longer times and bigger jails and prisons. Somewhere along the line, we've got to stop jailing people and even shooting them for nonviolent crimes. Victimless crimes. No. And if we're not prepared to do that, there are people who are perhaps too poorly educated and even too unintelligent to be able to read the law books and fully understand what they say. But at the same time, they understand when they're being oppressed. They understand when the government is going too far, and they may not be able to articulate it, they might not be able to explain it, but they still understand. And eventually, they're going to respond in a way that is not going to be pleasant. Nobody's going to really like it. Um, One of the articles we have here today is that Baltimore cops report that there there are headline from the Baltimore Sun, Baltimore police say gangs teaming up to take out officers. And they say, oh, my gosh, they're going to shoot the cops. Well, then black people are saying, oh, my gosh, they're going to shoot the blacks. 
You know, law is not something you just enforce. Law is something you have to respect and recognize that it's as enforceable against you as it is against someone else. And when we start saying, oh, oh, not enforceable against me, I'm special. I'm a magic gangster. I can beat the rap every time. All that does is encourage him to commit more crimes. Similarly, if you are a cop and you're shooting people or you're a member of the police department, every time you see cop shot somebody and he gets no indictment, nothing happens, no consequence. All it does is if you're curious, why not shoot the next guy? Why not? You can get away with it. You're a cop. You can beat the rap. And even if there's any fines or penalties, it'll be paid by the taxpayers. And then you'll be a made man. Just like in the mafia, you have shot and killed somebody and people, hey, a man among men, he's a killer. Yes, Melody? No, I'm just listening to, listening to you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I'm just saying that this is this whole thing. It's not one side is right and one side is wrong. There's an argument here that every side is wrong on this. And much of what is much of this wrong, we can we can trace back. Maybe I mean, there's a bunch of places we can go to, but we can go back to the Patriot Act, which gave government certain immunities, and created a false idea that oh my gosh, because we're threatened by all these terrorists, we have to go to extreme measures and we have to embrace fascism. Maybe the solution is to embrace constitutional law. Maybe the solution, if we don't, and if we don't do it, maybe we're headed for a national collapse. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for listening. In the meantime, hope the good Lord will bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a plan. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a fall. Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? 
Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
All right, good afternoon all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steph, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. And it is a new week, Monday, April 27th, 2015. It's about eight and a half minutes after 2 p.m. If all that's true where you're at, we are, in fact, live, which means you can participate in the show by calling in. 855-566-3738. You can also go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Look for the chat button. Chat, it's not really a button, it's just a text link. It says chat. Click that and uh, you'll be able to figure it out. Pick a name, pick a password, put in your email and you're there. Anyway, oh yes, there's one other way. You can go to, if you have, and I suppose you could go to the trouble of downloading it if you don't, but if you have it already, it's much easier. Yahoo Instant Messenger. You can look for the screen name, AVRN Talk, and that will go straight to me, and I'll see it. Anyway... And basically, folks, uh, you know, any show, like if you don't want to call in and you don't have chat room, I don't know what the situation would be to where you would rather use Yahoo Instant Messenger. I guess it would be something if if you don't want anybody else to see your question. But then again, you know, if you're saying a question that goes on the air, they're probably going to hear it. Uh, I don't know, but you can use uh, the uh, AVRN Talk for any show, really. And... uh I can pass on information to the hosts. You know, even if it's like during the break. You know, maybe you want me to tell them something during the break. That would be the way. Anyhow. All right. Uh, Let's see. Well, we got lots and lots and lots here, so let's get started. Oh, well, let's start with this, I suppose. There's this homo that owns hotels, okay, in New York City. And uh, all his little, uh, you know, sausage uh, eaters there, they got all upset. You know why? Because he met with Ted Cruz. That's right. Because he met with Ted Cruz. You know, and Ted Cruz is against gay marriages. He's against the homo agenda. At least, you know, this is his rhetoric, and he wants to put in a bill to, you know, protect same-sex marriage within the states. You know, so the homos get all their panties up in, a, in an uproar. This guy, you know, figured, hey, you know, okay, I'll talk to the guy. You know, what What the heck? Well, uh, I guess he made the mistake thinking that all the homo rhetoric about tolerance doesn't apply to them. Okay, they don't have to be tolerant. If you don't if you don't agree with a homo, there is no tolerance for you. But we're supposed to be tolerant of them. Folks, this has to come to an end. People have to stop being intimidated by these bunch of little homos. 
You know, the main thing, they're, they're so aggressive in their rhetoric and in their media and in their laws. Do you know why? Because they're a bunch of sissies. And they're afraid one of these days people are just going to grab them and bash their skulls in to shut them up. And that's exactly what's going to end up happening if it keeps up. Because people are going to have enough. You know, and I know there's people out there that argue, well, that's just what exactly the government wants. And it might be exactly what the government wants. They need crisis. They need conflict. They are doing everything they can to bring it about. Absolutely. And if they can't get you to do it, they'll do it for you. That's right. They'll go out and blow up a building and say, oh, it was so-and-so. They'll just pick a name out of a hat, whoever's handy today. Next time, folks, it'll be Christians. Guarantee you. Next time, it will be Christians. Whatever they got in store next time, they're going to blame on some Oh, I don't know, radical Christian right-wing group and uh, all the other little 501c3 Christian groups like Joel Olstein will get on there and condemn them. They tried it out once before on a small scale. It was called Waco where they killed 80 women and children. Yeah. And the jury found him innocent, but the judge put him in prison anyway on a technicality. That's right. That is what happened. You don't know that, do you? A lot of you don't. The jury found them innocent. The people at Waco, innocent. On all the really bad charges. But they found them guilty on having an illegal firearm. They found him innocent of murder, but then the judge came back and said, you know, I've decided that seeing as how they had an illegal firearm, uh, that's what they used to murder, and uh, I'm sending him to prison for, you know, 20 years anyway. Yep, that's exactly what happened. It was not justice, it was retribution because they dared to fight back against the ATF. And that's not a big surprise that the federal government comes in and kills a bunch of innocent women and children, now is it? That's why you see, I, I don't shed a tear any time one of them get a bullet in their head and drop dead. Not a tear. As a matter of fact, you know what? <laughs> I, I get the popcorn and the, the, the clap machine, you know, the applause sign starts lighting up. Because they deserve it. That is justice. Because if you're going to run around killing women and children, I'm sorry, you got to leave. But it was only 80 women and children in an isolated place in Texas. It was a run-through. Because none of that's surprising. We all know they'll do this. They do it, they've done it before, they've done it after that. Shoot, folks. Go, you, you know, and you might say, you know, oh, well, they were a cult, they were this, they must have done something wrong. They were accused of, uh, you know, child molesting, too. Uh, yeah, well, you know what, they floated a lot of things out in the media that the media spread out there as though it was true. 
But none of it was substantiated. None of it. There's a lot more evidence that Barack Obama is a crack-smoking homosexual. A lot more evidence. But you see, the media covers that up. They also cover up the fact that he's a communist. Because they're communists. He was a community organizer, which makes him a foot soldier for the worldwide communist revolution. Now, what really is the big deal? The big deal is every mainstream Christian mouthpiece got on TV and the radio and just basically said, oh, it's okay because, well, there are lawbreakers. There are lawbreakers, and God says to obey the government. That's what the Lord says, is to obey the government, even while he's burning your children to death. Yeah, obey the... And besides, they're a cult. They're a cult. Send me your money. I need a new aeroplane. Yeah. And most of dim-witted America opened up their wallets and said, oh, well, they're a cult. They must deserve it. And that's the real game, folks. Is to take the Bible out of the schools, out of the churches, pay off these prostitutes that call themselves pastors, like Joel Osteen. That guy's no pastor. Let me tell you something, folks. He's nothing but a motivational speaker. Like most of them are. And then there's this other black guy, I think, in Colorado. He needs a new airplane, because mom's unsafe, and we got to fly around. He's a name and claim it. Prosperity teacher. Send me your money, and uh, God's going to give you, like, four times that much. Sure. Talk about perverting the scripture. But you know what? Americans buy it. And you know why? Because they don't read their own Bibles. Or they read some, you know, dumbed down perversion of the Bible. And yeah, that's right. I do believe the King James version of the Bible is the best English-speaking translation there is. Matter of fact, somebody in the in the chat room just last week was saying, well, hey, there's just something in Gen- Genesis that uses humankind. Well, yeah, in one of the perversion Bibles, but in the King James, it's man and woman. And mankind has ma- male and female. Oh, but we're going to throw a hissy fit and say, oh, man, mankind, what about womankind? Well, there ain't no such thing as womankind. There is mankind, and there is male and female in mankind. Anyway, if you go look up the word human, and it takes some time because, you know, they're wiping this stuff out as much as they can, obscuring it best they can, but human actually means monster, okay? It's It's a creation. It's like a Frankenstein thing, you know? That's what a human is. Let's move on here. Cancer patient 
with a week to live, flees Kansas for-profit Medicaid for life-saving surgery in Memphis. Yep. Hey, this is, you know, get ready for Obamacare, folks. You let this happen, too. Well, okay. High school senior who was rejected by Kansas Governor Sam Brownback's reformed-for-profit state Medicare system, and he's a Republican, folks, so if you think the Republicans are riding in to save you, you're wrong, said that he was just days away from dying when he fled the state and found treatment at a hospital in Tennessee. Just last week, 18-year-old Levi Ross told KMBC that it had been a month since doctors discovered that he had a type of spinal cancer called uh, epitheloid sarcoma, and already the tumor had doubled in size. Ross's doctors advised him to get treatment out of state, but after not responding for weeks, his insurance provider rejected the advice. After taking office, Governor Brownback reformed the state's Medicaid system by enrolling low-income and disabled patients in a for-profit system called CanCare. Ooh, isn't that a catchy name? CanCare, with a K. Three health insurance companies now coordinate the care for about 400,000 Medicaid patients in Kansas. Kansas Department of Health and Environmental Spokesman now, don't forget, remember Sibelius, right? Right? Oh, yeah? You remember her, right? Yeah, the chicklet that took uh, the the fall for Obamacare's failure? Yeah, well, guess what she used to do? Yeah, that's right. She used to be the governor of Kansas. Anyway, Kansas Department of Health and, and Environment spokesperson Sarah Belfry. Hey, have you noticed something, folks? All the spokespeople for everybody are all women. Do you know why that is? Do you know? No, it's not so women can have jobs. It's because you're a bunch of dimwits for the most part, and you get you get just, you know, I'm sorry, folks. Maybe you're insulted, but if you fall for this stuff, you are a dimwit. And the fact of the matter is, you look at a woman on TV speaking and you think, oh, isn't she pretty? Oh, isn't she nice? Oh, isn't she soft and cuddly? And oh, how bad can the agency be? And if you're not thinking that, that's what's going on in your head. And that's why they have female spokespeople, folks. It's all a manipulation of public opinion. It's all mind control on a low level. They're not doing this by accident. You think Sarah here is the most qualified person to be spokesman in the in the whole state of Kansas? I don't think so. And oh, and by the way, how many Janet Reno types do you see as spokeswoman? Huh? Not many, eh? I'm sure that's just because the pretty ones are always the smart ones, aren't they? <laughs> Anyway, uh, she wasn't authorized to speak about Ross's case. But she said that getting out-of-state care required a special two-step approval process. In the end, the insurance company might reject the claim if it determined that the patient could receive similar care in-state. They are ultimately the payer. But 
they also certainly don't want any bad outcome to come from a patient not receiving the necessary services. Oh, certainly not, because insurance companies love you. They don't want anything to happen to you, do they? We all know that about our insurance companies, they how much they love us and they want us to be healthy. They really care. Wow. See how Sarah can lie to you and you can just suck it up because she's pretty? But CanCare did reject Ross's claim, and his doctor said that there was little hope of saving his life until St. Jude Children's Hospital offered to perform the surgery in Memphis. By the time Ross finally had surgery, his tumor had tripled in size. His doctor said that he had only one week to live. There's no way that staying in Kansas that I would have stayed alive, Ross explained. I feel pretty good considering I've had a massive surgery. It's really sad, he said, of can care experience. It's very upsetting that we divide ourselves by states. Yeah. Gee, but 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 wait, wasn't Obamacare supposed to wasn't Obamacare supposed to do all that? Wasn't he supposed to fix all that? Huh. Well, Let's see here. Yeah, your president is at it. But it's not, you see, he's not the president of the United States. He doesn't like the United States. He doesn't care about the United States. This is just a position he's in to promote the world agenda, okay, that his masters have for him. One of the major barriers blocking U.S. President Obama's campaign for his mammoth international trade deals, the TTIP with Europe and the TPP with Asia. Folks, these are both NAFTA on crack. You don't want this passed at all. And you got the Republicans there about to give him fast track authorization, which means they don't get to debate it. They don't get to know nothing about it. They're just told you want it or you don't want it. Vote yes or no. That's it. And they're getting paid off by all these multinational corporations to vote yes. Because just like NAFTA, just like GATT, the only beneficiaries are the multinational corporations. And this is even worse. This makes NAFTA and GATT look like, uh, you know, grammar school. I'm telling you. But you see, what the holdup is, other countries want the freedom to make up their own minds about the safety or dangerousness of the foods they allow to be sold within their borders. The Obama administration is insisting that no nation have that freedom. In fact, all participating nations would be removed from that responsibility and authority. The Obama trade deals proposed to replace that national authority and basic national sovereignty on these important matters by decisions that would instead be made by international panels. International panels whose members will be appointed by international corporations, which have their own profits at stake in these matters, 
consumers and others will be ignored. They will not be represented in the proposed panels, nor will any government be represented there. That sovereignty will instead be transferred to the billionaire families who control and derive their income from these corporations. And the spreading of genetically modified Frankenstein poison around the world. The United States underscored Friday its opposition to a new European Union plan to allow member states to block genetically engineered imports after bilateral talks on a transatlantic free trade pact. President Obama's trade representative, Michael Froman, who is a Wall Street banker and a longtime close personal friend of the president, said on April 22nd that he was very disappointed that the EU wants to allow individual EU nations to opt out of automatic approval of genetically modified organisms that the international panels will approve to be marketed everywhere. Furthermore, Froman's assistant said that the U.S. rejects a proposal to allow EU member states to ban products deemed safe by Europe's own scientists. He, yeah. Europe's own scientists that work for the multinational corporations. He was referring there to the half of scientific papers that find GM foods to be safe. However, those papers were produced by companies that manufacture market GMOs. The other half of the scientific papers on GMOs, the half that were produced independently of the GMO industry, have not found GMO foods to be safe. To the exact contrary, the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative uh, representative ignores those papers. La 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 la. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. That's that's how we, our government is looking at this. Why? Because it is absolutely one hundred percent controlled by these corporations, and therein lies the danger, folks. Because so is your United States Senate. Okay. This is really bad, folks, really bad. This goes on and on, and this is a very in-depth article. Uh, you know, you should uh, Google it in there. It says, Obama fights to spread GMOs throughout Europe. Look up that title uh, in Google and read the whole thing. Get yourself informed about what's going on, because it's not good. I mean, this is really not good. I mean, we're already screwed here. And you might say, well, good, you know, then Europe can be screwed, too. Well, okay, but uh, here's the problem. See, the thing about Europe doing this, you know, saying, no, we don't want it, it, it allows a market, okay? It allows a market because if they are allowed to flood everywhere with GMOs, it will push the market. And you will not have a choice any longer, because there'll be no growers. There's already people who say, well, hey, you know what? I got to feed my family. Of course, I'm not feeding them the GMO crap. That's for you. My family eats good stuff because I know what I'm growing. But I can't afford to grow anything else. There's no buyers for this. Well, if there's no buyers now, which there are buyers, folks. You just got to go look for them. But, you know, people want somebody to come walking in and drop something in their lap and say, here you go. You know, I've done all the work for you. Now you just go ahead and make all the money. Because there is a market out there, and it's a growing market. I reported on this last week that the organic and natural food market is growing 
exponentially because people are sick of this GMO crap. But, you know, people, people are sick of it. The corporations love it because they love that money. The farmers love it because they love that money. They don't care, and they're not even making money. You know, for all the talk about, oh, well, you know, it's cheaper, it's easier, it's uh, less labor-intensive, the costs are less, and this is less, and that is less. Well, really? If that was the case, uh, why would you be selling your crops for less than it costs you to grow them? Well, because when that happens, you, you know, you're a farmer, you got nothing else to do. If that's the price, that's the price. It's like somebody who builds. It's like, well, you know, the market's down. Nobody's buying houses. Why are you building houses? It's because that's what I do. I build houses. I'm a builder. You know, it doesn't matter. I got to build houses. What else can I do? Farmers, same thing. What else can they do? They've got to, they're farmers. That's what they do. They farm, so they grow crops. And it turns out that, oh, here's the crop. Well, uh, well, wait a minute now. You want to give me less than it costs me to produce this crop. Yeah, that's right. You're getting the picture now. What's going to have to happen? Your lifestyle is going to have to change. Meaning going down, down, down. That's right. Well, you know, if we don't do something, and I don't know what to do. Make calls, whatever, you know. I mean, is that going to do any good? Who knows? I don't know. All I know is doing nothing will definitely not do any good. So, somewhere this is going to end badly. But, we got to take a break. We'll be back in a bit.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still the 27th of April, Monday. It's 2015. It's about 2.43 out here on the Pacific Time Coast, if all that's true, where you're at. Remember, Pacific Time. Then we're live, which means you can participate in the show, 855-566-3738 is the call-in number, and that's toll-free. But you can go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Look for the chat link, click it, go on in there, and uh, you can... Well, there's quite a few people in there for a daytime, uh, and they're, they're chatting away. Anyhow... Okay, let's see here. Oh, yes, the uh, songs, the songs. The first one was Rolling and Tumbling, and that was Elmore James, and nobody guessed that. And the second one there, there was a guess, but it was wrong, and that was Traveling Shoes, and that was Elvin Bishop. Okay. He ain't good looking, but he sure can play. Remember that line from uh, Charlie Daniels, the South's going to do it again? Anyway. All right, let's get to some stuff. Hey, oh, by the way, folks, um, you know, I I rarely mention the phone bridge because I figure, you know, if you're listening, you don't need the phone bridge. But, hey, give it a try because it is, uh, I got a new new deal going on with that. It's the same numbers and all that. None none of that's changed, but I'm feeding it a different way, and I I think it sounds better, but I, I could be just fooling myself, okay? So if you want to give it a listen, it's 724-444-7444, okay? That's what you dial in to get there. Now, you don't have to redial if the first number doesn't work, the, you know, the key to get in. If the first one doesn't work, you don't have to redial the phone, okay? So 724-444-7444, a lot of fours there, but... Uh, right now, the uh, key to get in is 129-117-POUND. And then after it, uh, you know, it says something, you, you dial 1 and pound again and you'll be in. And that's that. Now, if it says, well, your conference hasn't started or there's no conference or whatever, right? Just redial 130-294-POUND. And then, you know, one pound, okay? So that that makes it easy that you don't have to redial the whole phone. But give it a shot and see how it sounds, uh, because I think it sounds better. Maybe you will, too. All right, what else? Oh, yes, there has been a change on the website. Uh, The 32K Windows Media is history. You know, I... uh, I mentioned that I might do that, and I did, because it's just uh, uh, not very many people listen to it. It's kind of redundant, seeing as how we've got, let's see, uh, 8, 16, 24, 56, and 64. So we've got the higher end, the lower end, and 32 really was, yeah, it's in the middle there, but, you know, it's not really that necessary, because basically, if you've got the bandwidth, you're going to want to listen to the 56 or 64K because it sounds better. If you don't have the bandwidth, you know, depending on how little bandwidth you have, 
you're going to want one of the three lower ones. Now, the 8K, I don't know. I, I think it sounds better than it used to sound uh, MP3-wise, but uh, I don't think it sounds as good as the uh, Windows Media 8K, but it can't be helped because Windows Media, quite frankly, is just not... It's It's not very easy to get along with everything on the Internet anymore. Okay, MP3 has basically become the standard for audio. I mean, yeah, you you know, you've got the uh oh, the uh what is that? Ob, the uh, you know, the the Linux, the Icecast uh side of it, but pretty much MP3 is the uh standard. And you know, Windows Media presents a lot of problems when you're trying to, you know, make it available to people like for instance on uh you know, smartphones or something. Forget about it. Uh, so we've got we didn't get rid of the 8K stream. It's an MP3 stream now. So if you uh, really don't have a lot of bandwidth, like I know of one listener that uh, lets me know how it's going, um, that he has satellite internet. And we had satellite internet here. And you got to watch that. It's like a cell phone program. I mean, you get... You know, unless you want to pay a lot of money, you get, uh, you know, uh, 10 gigabytes a month. You know, so you got to watch out with your usage. It's real fast and all, but you got to really watch out with your, uh, you know, with your usage. So he listens to the 8K. I'm still waiting to get back to uh, see, see how he liked it, but uh, how, it, how it's working for him. But... And that's another thing. If you do send me a Yahoo uh, American Voice Radio at yahoo.com today, at least so far today, uh, I'm not getting it. Uh, I might get it later, but right now I cannot get into my Yahoo account. And it's not because I forgot the password or anything, although that has happened. But this time it says the server's down. So there you go. There's all the... Uh, housekeeping stuff, so, uh, you know, just be patient with any replies, and remember, I only reply if you say I want to reply. Let's get to more stuff here. You know, here's something, uh, and I just want to bring this up, and it's probably a good time with the uh, uh, <laughs> housekeeping thing. Here's a website. Now, this is a completely... Uh, I want to say communist, but let's just say left-wing. And uh, they actually even say that news and commentary from the vast left-wing conspiracy. Well, there is no... Yeah, well, there is actually a vast left-wing conspiracy. It's called the Communist Revolution. The worldwide Communist Revolution, which is, uh, you know, uh, vast. You know, and this is a news site that we have listed on our news thing because, folks, you know, we have some liberal sites on there for your perusement because you need to see what these uh, what the other side is saying, where they're coming from. You you have to keep informed about your enemy, and they are your enemy. And if you don't think so, go read some of their stuff. You'll find out they are your enemy. You can't live in a bubble, all right? You've got to be aware of these people, what they're saying, what they're thinking, where they're coming from, because they are your enemy, and you're going to have to deal with them one day. And that's why they're on there. But these guys, you see, 
We can't fight the good fight if we're dead. Nobody's getting rich around here. We just want to pay our bills and keep doing what we do, but we can't do it without you. Oh, really? Well, you know what? They have raised by begging money, by just sitting on there and saying, give me money, give me money, because a website, well, gosh, a what? Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. A website's about 150 bucks a year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's see. They're, oh, they're about halfway to where they want to be because they only have $4,624 from 203 people. 4,624 peep dollars? Really? Wow. Wow. That's just great. And this is their spring fun drive. This is in 27 days. Less than a month, they've raised $4,624. And you wonder why? The Patriot Movement is dying? You wonder why we can't do anything? <laughs> okay, yeah, good. Keep wondering. Anyway. So, why in the world has J.P. Morgan accumulated more than 55 million ounces of physical silver? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's crazy talk. Oh, yeah, these bankers and these uh, financiers will get on there and go, oh, gold and silver is, uh, you know, uh, archaic. It's, uh, you know, oh, that's old news. You don't want to do that. Uh, it's crazy. You know, yeah, really? So they're telling you it's crazy while they're buying 55 million ounces of physical silver. Clearly, someone over at J.P. Morgan is convinced that physical silver is a pretty good investment. But in recent times, the price of silver has actually fallen quite a bit. As I write this, it is sitting at the ridiculously low price of $15.66 an ounce. Well, that might be ridiculously low, but I remember buying silver at $5 an ounce. Not that it's going there now, because, of course, this was back in 1993 or 4, okay? Like $5 an ounce. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, you know, uh, that's a pretty good investment, huh? Even at the ridiculously low price of 1566, eh? If you bought it at $5, see... Gold and silver is a long-term investment, all right? But up to this point, J.P. Morgan's investment in silver has definitely not paid off. But it will pay off in a big way if we, soon, if we will soon be entering a time of great financial turmoil. During a time of crisis, investors tend to flood into physical gold and silver. And as I mentioned just recently, J.P. Morgan Chase chairman and CEO Jamie Dimon, the guy who ought to be in prison, recently stated that there will be another crisis in a letter to shareholders. Yeah, of course there will, because we're going to create it. We've already created it. As a matter of fact, can you say derivative market? Yeah, because if you can, you know, most people don't know squat about derivatives, and I certainly am no expert on it, but 
you know, given the low information level of the majority of people, I know quite a bit on the sliding scale, but I know very little, really. But I do know that uh, <clears throat> when you're talking, uh, well, I don't know, $260 trillion collapse, you've got trouble. That's right, big trouble. Some things never change. There will be another crisis, and its impact will be felt by the financial market. The trigger to the next crisis will not be the same as the trigger to the last one, but there will be another crisis. This is the letter. This is from Jamie Dimon to the investors. Triggering events could be geopolitical, uh, like in the 1973 Middle East crisis, a recession where the Fed rapidly increases interest rates, the 80-82 recession, a commodities price collapse, oil in the late 80s, the commercial real estate crisis, late, uh, early 1990s, the Asian crisis, 1997, so-called bubbles, the 2000 internet bubble and the 2008 mortgage and housing bubble, etc. While the past crises had different roots, you could spend a lot of time arguing to the degree to which geopolitical, economic, or purely financial factors caused each crisis. They generally had a strong effect across the financial markets. Yes, but now, you know what? You could combine, okay, the internet bubble, the mortgage housing bubble, any other bubble you can think of, and they don't come anywhere near the derivative bubble. <laughs> oh, man, 260-something trillion dollars, pop, goes the weasel. Oh, yeah, it's going to have an effect. And Diamond is apparently putting his money where his mouth is. If Diamond believes that another great crisis is coming, then it would make logical sense to stockpile huge amounts of precious metals. And in particular, silver is a tremendous bargain for a variety of reasons. Personally, I like gold, but absolutely love silver, especially at the price it is right now. Over the past few years, J.P. Morgan has been voraciously voraciously uh, buying up physical silver. Nobody has even seen anything quite like this before. In fact, J.P. Morgan has added more than 8 million ounces of physical silver during the past couple of weeks alone. So, golly gee whiz, why isn't the price going up? Yeah, yeah you wonder about things, don't you? Well, be glad they don't, folks. And you know what? At $15.66, yeah, uh, don't tell me you can't afford silver. And don't buy in any of these ridiculous little credit cards with specks of gold on it and go, hey, 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 let me get into this. And yeah, well, it's for the people that can't afford a big piece of gold. Really? Well, guess what? You're paying three times as much for your gold that way. Save up your money. Buy a tenth ounce. That's like three grams, folks. Okay? You can do that. And if you can't do that, what, you don't have $15? $15 is, is less than one of those little credit cards with a speck of gold on it that nobody knows what it is. And how do you get that speck of gold off of there anyway? You peel it off? Is that what you do? It's, it's, a, it's a novelty, okay? If you want to get into novelties, that's fine. I mean, you know, I don't... Everybody's got to have a hobby, right? But don't think of it as an investment, because it's not an investment, it's a hobby. It's a novelty. That's fine, but uh, don't think it's something that it's not. It's a great time to buy silver. Oh, well, hey, 
At least J.P. Morgan thinks so. But hey, what do they know, huh? Oh, I bet you they know one thing. They know there's a crisis coming. They are, uh, well, I guess you could consider them uh, insiders, right? J.P. Morgan Chase. Yeah. Jamie Dimon, who ought to be in prison. But he's not. You know why? Because he's an insider. That's why. Gee, everybody at Goldman Sachs ought to be in prison, too. But they're not. Same reason. Anyway, I'll be back again tonight for two hours, and uh, we've got a full, full, full day coming up after uh, this show here, which is over now. So stay tuned. Uh, Constitutional Crusaders coming up next. As always, thanks for listening. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. 
$149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316 316- Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, Constitutional Counselor, and I'm having a really bad day here with uh, everything. Um, like, for example, my equipment is deciding to blink out on me. There we go. Now I got my screen back. Okay, I guess I'm going to leave it right where it's at. Uh, and I don't know what the heck is going on. I seem to be suffering from uh, either allergies or something else that has my head stuffed and throbbing. And uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna soldier my way through this here, my friends, and see what we can do. Uh, well, in case you didn't know, this is the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shedler, Constitutional Counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end bureaucrats and petty thugs all over and today is monday april 27th 2015 it is the three o'clock hour out here on the left coast if you'd like to call in this is after all a live call-in show in fact today would be an excellent opportunity if you want to play stump the host since uh I'm a little bit at a disadvantage here. Uh, uh, if you want to try that uh, it's real simple you just call 855 855- 
866-566-3738, or you may send an instant message to through Yahoo Instant Messenger, and the ID is the same as it's been for the well over 10 years we've been on this uh, show and network, uh, kc 7 AQK is that's the that's the Yahoo Instant Messenger ID. Um, as I said, this is a live call-in show. Calling in is not necessary. However, thinking is, and even with a stuffed head, I'm still capable of thinking. Uh, I'm just going to try and be, uh, shall we say, try not to. Uh, screw things up very badly here. And I notice I'm saying uh an awful lot, which tells me that uh, things aren't quite as quick upstairs as they normally are. So uh, we do give an exemption, as I was starting to say before I became discombobulated myself, to government agents and those from Media Matters and the Southern Poverty Law Center, after all, if we required them to think, uh, it would create a hostile work environment, and we would not want to be responsible for that. As is our want, we like to open the show with the wisdom of the ages, otherwise known as the dead white guy, quote, Today, we need a nation of Minutemen, men who are not only prepared to take up arms, but citizens who regard the preservation of freedom as a basic purpose of their daily life, end quote. You know, my friends, it's very funny how if JFK could say that in 1961, but today, if he was alive today and said this same thing, he would be considered a domestic terrorist for even expressing or suggesting such ideas. My, how far we have come. Okay, we have about 27-ish pages in our show newsletter. Your calls, instant messages, and whatever else happens to come across the transom, we will get to as much of it as possible right after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms if you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, an inept, overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over Reagan's tax cut. Should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort. Okay, I finally figured out why my monitor was blanking out on me as I tried to tilt it to a more comfortable angle. See, my friends, I tilt the monitor up because I do this show entirely on my feet rather than sitting in front of the computer. And so I tilt it up so it's easier to read while I'm on my feet. Well, I was tilting it back, and it just kept going blank, and I finally figured out what was going on is the the power cord, after several months of tilting it up and tilting it back and tilting it up and tilting it back, 
Evidently, the power cord decided to wiggle its way out, and I was tilting it just enough to disconnect it. Anyway, enough of the technical difficulties. Remember, my job is very simple. It is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable, and I do it the exact same way you can do it. And if you haven't figured out how to do that, well, then you haven't been paying very much attention. Of course, I will give the exemption to those that maybe are listening for the very first time today or haven't been listening very long, like maybe only starting last week for not understanding what I'm talking about. So that means you just have to continue listening until you do get it figured out because it isn't all that terribly difficult. Okay, first up on the hit parade. Of course, last week was the celebration of Lenin's birthday. Yes, you know, that big worldwide celebration of Lenin's birthday. What, you say? I didn't hear anything about a celebration of Lenin's birthday. Of course you did. You just might not have recognized it for what it is because, like all the past celebrations for the past 45 years of worldwide celebrations of Lenin's birthday, it has been cleverly disguised behind another front so that, well, you would wouldn't realize that what she was participating in or reading about or seeing going on was actually a, a celebration of Lenin's birthday. And how was it dressed up? Why, it was called and still is called Earth Day. Yes. Well, it's time. 45 years, my friends. Let's do a list, shall we? 18 spectacularly wrong apocalyptic predictions made around the time of the first Lenin's birthday, a.k.a. Earth Day, in 1970. And, of course, you can expect more spectacularly wrong apocalyptic predictions this year. In fact, I've already seen a few. Okay. In the May 2000, 15 years ago, in the May 2000 issue of Reason Magazine, award-winning science correspondence, correspondent Ronald Bailey wrote an excellent article entitled Earth Day, Then and Now, to provide some historical perspective on the 30th anniversary of Earth Day. In that article, Bailey noted that around the time of the first Earth Day and in the years following, there was a torrent of apocalyptic predictions, and many of those predictions were featured in his Reason article. Well, it's now the 45th anniversary of Lenin's birthday, and a good time to ask the question again that Bailey asked 15 years ago. How accurate were the predictions made around the time of the first Lenin's birthday party, a.k.a. Earth Day, in 1970? Well, the answer, <clears throat> the prophets of doom were not simply wrong, but spectacularly wrong, according to Bailey. Here are 18 examples of the spectacular 
spectacularly wrong predictions made around 1970 when the Green Holy Day, otherwise known as Lenin's birthday or Earth Day, was started. Number one. Harvard biologist George Wald estimated that, quote, civilization will end within 15 or 30 years unless immediate action is taken against problems facing mankind, end quote. Well, the immediate actions he was demanding never happened, and, well, that was now 45 years ago, and... I didn't notice myself, but did you notice how civilization ended? Yeah, that's what I thought. Number two, we are in an environmental crisis, which threatens the survival of this nation and the world as a suitable place of human habitation, end quote. That was written um, Washington University biologist Barry Commoner on the Earth Day issue of the scholarly journal Environment. Yeah. Sarcasm. That was sarcasm, my friends. Number three, the day after the first Earth Day, or Lenin's birthday, the New York Times editorial page warned, quote, Man must stop pollution and conserve his resources, not merely to enhance existence, but to save the race from intolerable deterioration and possible extinction, end quote. How's that extinction working out for you, my friends? You know, this is 45 years ago, and this must be done now, or it will happen tomorrow, practically, and... That was 45 years ago. Mm-hmm. Number four, quote, population will inevitably and completely outstrip whatever small increases in food supplies we make. That was Paul Ehrlich confidently declared this in April 1970 um, in the edition, uh, April 1970 edition of Mademoiselle, and he continued, the death rate will increase until at least 100 to 200 million people per year will be starving to death during the next 10 years, end quote. Remember, it's done in 1970. Do you remember those massive die-offs between 1970 and 1980? Of Oh, uh, no, that's something else. I hate it when other calls come through and, and uh, interfere with this show here. But like I was saying, April 1970, do you remember those massive die-offs, 100 to 200 million people? Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember them either. I just thought I'd point that out. Number five, and I hope that I'm still here on the air, even though something else is going on with Skype here. Number five, quote, most of the people who are going to die in the greatest cataclysm in the history of man have already been born. That's what uh, Paul Eric wrote in a 1969 essay um, yeah, okay, so that's good news. Uh, in a 1969 essay entitled The Eco-Catastrophe, and he said, by continuing, quote, by 1975, some experts feel that 
food shortages will have escalated to the present level of world hunger and starvation in the famines of unbelievable proportions. Other experts, more optimistic, think the ultimate food population collision will not occur until the decade of the 1980s, end quote. Again, you know, it's just more... More of the same, my friends. You'll notice that these things begin to sound an awful lot the same. But that's the whole point, my friends. These were all the echo chamber uh, at the time. And the way they sound, and my friends, you know what's changed in 45 years? Absolutely nothing. They still believe their own garbage, even though 45 years have proven just how spectacularly they failed in this and they don't want to be reminded of how of that so they've changed it. it's no longer go ice age it's no longer which is what they said then in the 70 uh, and it's no longer uh global warming but now it's, it's climate change yes of course number seven it's already too late to avoid mass starvation. And this is a declaration by Dennis Hayes, who is one of the chief organizers for Lenin's birthday, otherwise known as Earth Day, in the spring 1970 issue of The, the Living Wilderness. That's when he said, where he said that. Number eight, Peter Guntner, a North Texas State University professor, wrote in 1970, quote, demographers agree almost unanimously on the following grim timetable. Now listen here, my friends. 1970, this is the grim timetable that was laid out. Okay, are you ready? By 1975, widespread famines will begin in India. These will spread by 1990 to include all of India, Pakistan, China, and the Near East, Africa, by the year 2000, or conceivably sooner, South and Central America will exist under famine conditions. By the year 2000, 30 years from now, the entire world, with the exception of Western Europe, North America, and Australia, will be in famine, end quote. Uh, you know, my friends, I, 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 I pulled up my news scroll this morning in preparation for this show and realizing that I would be doing this thing here. And I kept looking for all these stories about massive famines throughout the world. I couldn't find them. No. Yeah. Number nine. In January 1970, Life reported, quote, scientists will have solid experimental and theoretical evidence to support the following predictions. In a decade, urban dwellers will have to wear gas masks to survive air pollution. By 1985, air pollution will have reduced the amount of sunlight reaching the Earth by one half. Mm-hmm. Number 10, ecologist Kenneth Watt told Time magazine that, quote, at the present rate of nitrogen buildup, it's only a matter of time before light will be filtered out of the atmosphere and none of our land will be usable, end quote. You get the idea, my friends. These are the people, and now many of these same people that made these type of predictions, do you know where you can find them today? Yeah, that's right. You'll find them as, quote, 
educators, end quote, in the finest institutes of learning throughout America. Yeah, still spreading their bile all over the place. Number 11, Barry Commoner predicted that decaying organic pollutants would use up all of the oxygen in America's rivers, causing freshwater fish to suffocate. Do you remember that happening? Yeah, I don't either. Number 12, Paul Ehrlich chimed in saying, predicting in his 1970 uh, threat that, quote, air pollution is certainly going to take hundreds of thousands of lives in the next few years alone. And then he sketched a scenario in which 200,000 Americans would die in 1973 during smog disasters in New York and Los Angeles. Do you remember that happening in 1973, the smog disasters killing off 200,000 Americans in New York and Los Angeles? I don't remember it either. Number 13, Paul Eric warned in the May 1970 issue of Audubon that DDT and other chlorinated hydrocarbons, quote, may have substantially reduced the life expectancy of people born since 1945. And he continued, he continued, and he warned that Americans born since 1946, this is what he said in 1970, okay, that Americans born since 1946 would have a life expectancy of only 49 years, and he predicted that if current patterns continued, this expectancy would reach 42 years by 1980 when it might level out. My friends, the, um, uh, the, the predictions, the, the, the uh, current patterns that he was referring to did continue unabated and my friends, this past February, I celebrated my 54th anniversary, 54 trips now around the sun I've made on this little uh, spaceship that we call planet Earth. And I think 54, last time I checked, 54 was greater than 42. I could be wrong but that's what it seems like to me, okay? Spectacular failure indeed. Number 14, ecologist Kenneth Watt declared that, quote, by the time of the year 2000, if present trends continue, we'll be using up crude oil at such a rate that there won't be any more crude oil. You'll drive up to the pump and say, fill up, buddy, and he'll say, I'm very sorry there isn't any, end quote. Wow, yeah, that's right. It's, that's right. It's, it happened. Do you remember? Yeah. I don't remember either. Number 15, Harrelson Brown, a scientist at the National Academy of Sciences, published a chart in the Scientific American that looked at metal reserves and estimated the humanity would, are you ready for this, totally run out of copper shortly before 2000. Lead, zinc, tin, gold, and silver would be gone before 1990. Do you remember that happening? That it's, it, we don't have any more? Yeah, I don't remember it either. 
Number 16, Senator Gaylord Nelson wrote in, in Look magazine that, quote, Dr. S. Dylan Ripley, secretary of the Smithsonian Institute, believes that in 25 years, somewhere between 75 and 80 percent of all species living animals will be extinct. Do you remember all that extinction going on? I don't either. Number 17, we got two more. Number 17, in 1975, Paul Eric predicted that, quote, since more than nine-tenths of the or original tropical rainforest will be removed in most areas within the next 30 years or so, it's expected that half the organisms in this area will vanish with it, end quote. Didn't happen, my friends. And finally, number 18, Kenneth Watt warned about a pending ice age in his speech saying, quote, the world has been chilling sharply for about 20 years, he declared. If present trends continued, he, he continued, the world will be about four degrees colder from the global mean temperature in 1990, but 11 degrees colder by the year 2000. This is about twice what they would say would put us into an ice age, end quote. Yeah. Yeah, it happened. Remember? Yeah. Ice Age. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that shows you these people, uh, it's nothing but mass hysteria. And that's all it is. And now we have 45 years to look back at it and see just how crazy they were and are. <sighs> it's nothing but a front, my friends. Nothing but a front to take away your liberties, your way of life, and tell you that you are an evil, awful person for daring to heat your home and feed your families and take care of yourselves that makes you that evil, awful person. And that's what it's all about, so that you can be controlled. When we come back from the upcoming break, I'm going to give you some good news. Good news about the Brady campaign lawsuit against Ammo Company and what happened with it. Yeah, you're really going to want to stay tuned to that. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. 
American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. back to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I am your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, and Constitutional Counselor, and as I promised, I have some good news for you. A month-long lawsuit filed by the Brady Center to prevent gun violence against Lucky Gunner and other firearms businesses who sold ammunition and other supplies to the Aurora Theater Gunman was thrown out in late March. Yes, James Holmes, dubbed the Aurora Shooter, opened fire on citizens during a viewing of the Dark Knight Rises in July 2012. A lawsuit filed last September by the Brady Center also known as the Brady Campaign, on behalf of Sandy and Lonnie Phillips, the family of one of Holmes' alleged victims, was thrown out in late March. Senior District Judge Richard Matched threw out the lawsuit and 
held that the defendants, quote, are entitled to an award of reasonable attorney fees and costs. Yes, you heard me correctly, my friends. Though the amount that is now owed by the Brady campaign has not been announced, likely due to the number of defendants, two of the largest companies targeted by the lawsuit, Lucky Gunner and Sportsman Guide, paid roughly a quarter million dollars for their defense. Judge Match left nothing open to discussion with his opinion. He said, quote, Holmes meticulously prepared for his crime, arriving at the theater equipped with multiple firearms, ammunition, and other gear allegedly purchased from several distinct business entities operating both online and through brick-and-mortar locations. Neither the web nor the face-to-face -face sales of ammunition and other products to Holmes can plausibly constitute a substantial factor causing the deaths and injuries in this theater shooting, end quote. My friends, this lawsuit is yet another failure in a long string of lawsuits filed by anti-gun groups against firearms companies seeking to damage their businesses and reputations. A few lawsuits have seen some success at the state level, only to be thrown up by the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. Well, an ongoing lawsuit against the firearms company Bushmaster, owned by Freedom Group, in response to the, the alleged Newton, Connecticut school shooting. And again, my friends, I remind you, all you have to do is go look up the Connecticut table, I think it's table eight, if I remember correctly, it is out now. The Uniform Crime Report by the FBI for 2012. Look it up. Table eight, Connecticut. Scroll down to Newton. Pay attention to column three, which is homicides, and see how many homicides took place in 2012 in Newton, Connecticut. And when you see that it is a whole number between negative one and positive one, for those of you that are mathematically challenged, that's zero, okay, then ask yourselves, Gee, how could there have been a shooting at the alleged Sandy Hook Elementary School, which I will remind you had been shuttered and turned into a storage warehouse at least three years before 2012? How could there have been a shooting with allegedly 20 people murdered in Newton, Connecticut, yet the FBI reports in their 2012 UCR Table 8, Column 3, Newton, Connecticut, zero homicides for that year. Hmm. Well, anyway, so we have this shooting, and in April, the plaintiffs filed a motion to return the case to a state court. Why? Well, they're in hopes that a progressive judge would rule in their favor. 
Though this delay tactic might have worked if the defendants were a smaller company, Freedom Group is a large player in the firearms business and shows no signs of backing down. It's expected that at least some of the defendants will file a motion to dismiss based on the PLCAA for failure to state a claim. Now, in a related story, judge rules against Norman Music Festival's no-gun policy. Mm-hmm. It seems that an Oklahoma judge are taking their const- is taking his constitutional rights a bit more seriously lately, as Judge Thad Balkman rules in favor of the Oklahoma Second Amendment Association's request for a restraining order against the Norman Music Alliance and the city of Norman and their no-gun policy during the Norman Music Festival. Earlier this month, that would be uh, earlier this month, April here, my friends, the Norman Music Alliance and the city of Norman stated that weapons of any type would not be allowed at the festival, which is held on a four-block lease of city streets in Norman. As th- now, this is the same sort of thing the city of Portland, Oregon does, my friends. They lease out the downtown city square area to a private company and then say, oh, well, if the private company wants to ban you from not bringing firearms in, well, then they can do that. Well, it's the same thing here, my friends. So they lease out this this uh, four-block area here, and i got to find my place again. There we go. And this decision did not bode well at all with the, the Norman citizens and the Oklahoma Second Amendment Association. They set up and demanded the judge rule on the constitutionality of the decree. The event is an annual three-day independent music festival where dozens of bands take over Main Street. The free event brings citizens from far and wide to enjoy music and food, but it seems the nonprofit organizers forgot that many of their attendees would likely to carry their legal firearms with them. Well, quote, the city is basically bullying to the point that a peaceful person would be harassed for exercising a constitutional right, said Don Spencer, vice president of the Oklahoma Second Amendment Association. He carried on saying, Oklahoma Second Amendment Association members will be at the festival carrying concealed and openly. And whether this goes through or not, we will be there. He also said, that the county sheriff has no intentions of enforcing such a decree as it's unconstitutional and illegal. Well, thankfully, the judge ruled that private entities can ban guns on their premises, but that the public entities cannot circumvent the exercising of rights by the legal ledgermen of giving away their authority, which is what I said exactly the city of Portland does. And they're allowed to do it because the judges here in Oregon let them. Well, the Norman Music Alliance, in response to this, made a statement. And this is their statement. The official policy of the Norman Music Alliance for the Norman Music Festival is to request customers not to carry guns on festival grounds. Norman Music Alliance is certainly a supporter of 
every amendment to the Constitution. In accordance with the agreement of the City of Norman, the Norman Music Alliance rents four blocks of downtown Norman to hold the Norman Music Festival. Under that agreement, NMA qualifies under the Business Owner Exemption Law, or Oklahoma statutes, blah, 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 that allows business owners to request customers not to carry guns into their businesses. After all, guns and alcohol do not mix well. The Norman Music Alliance does not want to put concealed carry music fans in danger of felony charges because they carry it in a place where low-point beer is served. And then they cite another Oklahoma statute and concluded, The board of the Norman Music Alliance feels that most of the fans that attend the Norman Music Festival would appreciate and request a weapons-free festival, and therefore it is the policy of the Norman Music Festival to ask gun owners and everyone to leave their weapons in their vehicles and not bring them on to festival grounds, end quote. Yeah, right. Beer... Alcohol and guns don't mix. Right. Such a weak argument, my friends, but that's what they're trying to do. Okay. By now, unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard about this new book that's coming out here next month. Clinton Cash the untold story of how and why foreign governments and businesses help make Bill and Hillary rich? Well, um, Media Matters, among other people, are just going apoplectic over this. And they are trying their very best to discredit the author and the New York Times, and as always, faux news, as we love to call it here, um, for their reporting on this. But here are 11 facts that mainstream media, i.e. the New York Times, have confirmed as accurate from this book. Now, my friends, I'm not going to tell you which ones, but five of the, these 11 facts I have covered on this show in the past several years. And how was I to know that these things would end up being part of a major, major book that's going to be coming out. I'm rather like, wow, I talked about these things and documented them over the years, and here they are. So let's get into this, my friends. 11 explosive facts, okay? Are you ready? Number one, confirmed. Hillary's foundation hid a $2.35 million foreign donation from the head of Russian government's uranium company that had business before Hillary's Clinton State Department. A clear violation of the Memorandum of Understanding with the B.O. administration. The New York Times confirmed that Hillary violated the Memorandum of Understanding she signed with the Obama administration, promising to disclose all foreign donations during her tenure as Secretary of State. As Clinton Cash reveals, Ian Teffler, 
the foreign head of the Russian-owned uranium company, Uranium One, which Hitler approved to acquire U.S. uranium, made four individual hidden donations to the Clinton Foundation, totaling $2.35 million, none of which appear in the Clinton Foundation disclosures. Number two confirmed, Bill Clinton bagged half a million dollars for a speech in Moscow paid for by a Kremlin-linked bank. Yep, the New Yorker confirms that as Clinton cash claims, Bill Clinton made that half million dollars for a Moscow speech, and it was paid for by, quote, a Russian investment bank that has ties to the Kremlin, end quote, at the time of that Uranium One deal. So they ask the liberal publication, New York Times, and my friends, I, I, I'm telling you, I am mind-boggled. The New York Times is reporting this. It's like, wow, really? Uh, and they, they said, quote, Why was Bill Clinton taking any money from a bank linked to the Kremlin while his wife was Secretary of State? End quote. <laughs> Number three confirmed, Hillary's brother sits on the board of a mining company that scored an extremely rare, quote, gold exploitation permit, end quote, in Haiti as Hillary and Bill Clinton dispersed billions of U.S. tax dollars in Haiti. Yep, the Washington Post confirms the accuracy of Clinton Cash's revelation that Hillary Clinton's brother, Tony Rodham, serves on the board of that mining company that scored that coveted and lucrative gold exploitation permit in Haiti as then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton were doling out billions of U.S. tax dollars in the wake of that Haiti earthquake. And according to the Post, Rodham's mining company, quote, won one of the first two gold mining permits the Haitian government had issued in more than 50 years, end quote. Mm-hmm. Number four, Hillary's foundation hid a foreign donation of two million shares of stocks by a mining executive with business before Hillary's State Department. Well, the Wall Street Journal confirms the book's revelation that another foreign donation, won by Canadian mining executive Stephen Daddles, made a hidden donation of 2 million shares in Polo Resources that the Clinton Foundation chooses not to disclose in violation of that Memorandum of Understanding. Quote, about two months later, the U.S. ambassador to Bangladesh pushed the energy advisor to that nation's prime minister to allow open pit mining, including the Polbori mines, where Polo Resources has a stake. That's what the journal reported. Number five, confirmed Hillary's approval of the Russian takeover of Uranium One transferred 20% of all U.S. uranium to the Russian government. Some people say it's as much as 50%, my friends. But anyway, the New York Times confirmed, 
Quote, the sale gave the Russians control of one-fifth of all uranium production capacity in the United States. And the Times also verifies the books reporting that Hitler's uranium transfer to Russia represented at the time, there we go, a projected 50% of all U.S. uranium output. Number six, confirmed. Bill Clinton was paid by a for-profit education company laureate while the company benefited from an increase in funding from Hillary's State Department. Bloomberg confirmed that as reported in that Clinton cash book, um, he was paid of, of, in a position he abruptly resigned from on Friday. And Bloomberg's examination confirms that, quote, in 2009, the year before Bill Clinton joined laureate, the nonprofit received 11 grants worth 9 million from the State Department or the affiliated USAID. In 2010, the group received 14 grants worth 15.1 million. In 2011, 13 grants added up to 14.6 million. And the following years, those numbers jumped. They received 21 grants worth $25.5 million, including a direct grant from the State Department, end quote. Well, the company nor the Clintons will release the exact amount Bill received for working for the controversial for-profit education company. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Number seven, confirmed Clinton Foundation has been forced to refile at least five years of annual tax returns and may audit other Clinton Foundation returns, Reuters confirmed Hillary Clinton's family charities are refiling at least five annual tax returns as, quote, the foundation and its list of donors have been under intense scrutiny, end quote. My friends, just think about this in your personal life. Would you be allowed to refile five years of tax returns because all of a sudden you discovered that you forgot to disclose hundreds of millions of dollars that you had earned and that the IRS would say, oh, no problem. You're telling about us now, so it's all right. Is that the way you would be treated? I didn't think so. Number eight, confirmed at least $26 million worth of the Clintons' wealth comes from speaking fees by companies and organizations that are also major Clinton Foundation donors. This, from the Washington Post, confirmed uh, it, that the book, Clinton Cash, that according to the Post's independent analysis, quote, Bill Clinton was paid more than one. Hundred million for speeches between 2001 and 2013, according to federal financial disclosure forms filed by Hillary Clinton during her years as a senator and as Secretary of State. End quote. And of that, reports the Post, quote, Bill Clinton was paid at least 26 million in speaking fees by companies and organizations that were also major donors to the foundation he created after leaving the White House, according to a Washington Post analysis of public records and foundation date, end quote. And you'll remember, my friends, Hillary said, oh, when we came out of the White House, we was dead broke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, my friends, 
this amount of money we're talking about here, just taking even the low end, because so many of these things are this amount to this amount, because no one really knows exactly how much it is, because do you think the Clintons are coming, are being forthcoming and saying exactly how much it is? No. So people have to take other uh, sources and figure out exactly how much it is, and it becomes a guesstimate of between, you know, a hundred million and a hundred and fifty million here, or ten million and fifteen million here, and thir- you get the idea. Well, you just take the low end of all of these, and that puts the Clintons, since they've left the White House, not in the top one percent, but in the top tenth of 1%, my friends, as far as wealth accumulation. Mm-hmm. Number nine confirmed Clinton cash author Peter Schweitzer, which again, like I say, Media Matters for America and others is doing their best to smear him, is currently conducting, get this, a deep dive investigative report on Republican presidential candidate Jeb Bush's financial dealings. CBS News confirmed that, that Peter Schweitzer is working on a similar investigation into Jeb Bush and said, quote, the wide-ranging examination will appraise the possible 2016 contender's involvement in Florida real estate deals, an airport deal that involves state funds while Bush was Florida's chief executive, and Chinese investments in Bush's private equity funds, that reported by CBS News. Number 10 confirmed Bill Clinton delivered numerous speeches paid for by individuals and corporations with pending business before Hitler's State Department. ABC News confirmed that the myriad businesses and individuals paid Bill Clinton to deliver speeches even as their companies had business on Secretary of State's desk. Quote, records supported the premise that Former President Clinton accepted speaking fees from numerous companies and individuals with interest pending before the State Department. ABC News also noted that it found, quote, an instance where paid and unpaid speaking appearances were conflated, but that Clinton cash essential premise is supported by records, and that was their independent analyzation. Yes, again, my friends, I'm telling you all this because places like Media Matters for America, among others, and the reason I keep mentioning Media Matters for America, my friends, is because they are the George Soros-funded organization that is pushing this so hard to get you to swallow that this is nothing, nothing to see here. Move along. Schweitzer's just a liar. He's, he's done all these misrepresentations, and they bring up these things that they claim are misrepresentations. It turns out that what they're bringing up isn't true, but, you know, what can I say? You get someone scream mud and throw mud at you, and pretty soon you find you're covered with mud. And that's what's going on. Number 11. Bill Clinton lied about hosting a meeting with Frank Gustra and Kazan nuclear officials at Clinton's home in Chappaqua. Well, my friends, geez, surprise, surprise, surprise. The guy that they, that they said, oh, we never met with him. He says, oh, yeah, I met with him, and here's pictures of when I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But they denied. They denied. Oh, what can I say, my friends? Well, the Hillary Clinton campaign continues to struggle in its efforts to spin and distractify from this growing pile of Clinton cash. And the facts, the, the mainstream media outlets are already confirming and verified as correct. And the Politico concludes saying Hillary Clinton's cash dismissal is dead in the water. The book drops on May 5th, my friends. It should be a really, really good read. Well, when we come back from the upcoming break, I'm going to go into a detailed analysis on how the U.S. Constitution actually bans all these foreign government payola and how exactly how Hitlery and Bill are in violation of the Constitution, exactly how, where, and why, my friends. After all, this is the Constitutional Crusaders show. We've got to talk about the Constitution here. So I'm going to tell you exactly how and why. And because of that violation of the Constitution... And she took an oath. That means it's treason of oath, my friends. Yes. Treason of oath. The section of the United States Code that's in response to that clause that we will talk about that says there's only one penalty. Yeah. We'll talk about more of that on the other side of the break because you're really going to want to stick through this. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. Life of danger To everyone he meets He says a stranger With every move he makes Another chance to take That you find a pretty face can hide an evil mind. Oh, be careful what you say, or you give yourself away. Our thought you won't live to see tomorrow. Secret Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. 
$149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Warning. If you're here to feel good about government, if you believe that people in office actually care about your well-being, if you believe that statutes and codes are God's gift to man, this show is not for you. If you believe NBC, CNN, Faux News, and the like actually report real news, this show is not for you. This... is the proper place where those beliefs need disposal of. So if you decide to stick around, this show will not be responsible for your mental instability. If you're brave enough to call in, this is your warning. You best bring facts to the discussion. Damn, government toilet. 
And welcome back to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, Emroy Ben Shadler. Today is Monday, April 27th, 2015. It is the 4 o'clock hour out here on the left coast. If you're listening to some other time zone, obviously you're going to have to adjust accordingly so you can be in the same time zone as I am. There you How's that for self-centered hubris for you? This is a live call-in show. Calling in is not necessary. Thinking, however, is we, of course, give that exemption to Media Matters and Southern Poverty Law Center and agents of the U.S. government that listen to this uh, radio show because, after all, if we were to require them to think, that would create a hostile work environment, and I'm not going to be responsible for that. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple. You just dial 855-566-3738, or you may do like the farmer did and send an instant message to through Yahoo Instant Messenger, KC7AQK, and he asks me, how's that thugocracy working out for you? Well, it's, uh, as you can see, you know, we're dealing with thug, thugs and thugocracies on a real basis here, in case you didn't notice. Now, I closed out the last half hour giving uh, 11 things that have been confirmed by various parts of the lamestream media as true in regards to this new book that's coming out the 5th of next month on Clinton Cash. And now that I've talked about those 11 things that have been proven to be true out of Clinton Cash, and it's just 11 things. It's not the whole book, my friends. But um, now that we've shown these 11 things to be true, Let's explore, after all, this is called the Constitutional Crusaders Show, so let's concentrate on how the U.S. Constitution bans all those things we talked about. You see, with this report from the Washington Post and others, that the tax-exempt foundation run by Bill and Hitlery accepted money from at least seven foreign governments while Hitlery served as U.S. Secretary of State. And, of course, it's unclear how much exactly foreign money the organization accepted while Hitlery was a U.S. senator. And all this is really super shady, right? Well, it's worse than that. Because Article 1, Section 9 of the U.S. Constitution actually bans foreign payola for U.S. officials. Yep, that constitutional ban on foreign cash payments to U.S. officials is known as the Emoluments Clause, and it originated from Article 6 of the Articles of Confederation. The purpose of the clause was to prevent foreign governments from buying influence in the U.S. by paying off U.S. government officials. Here is the text of that clause, my friends. Quote, No title of nobility shall be granted by the United States, and no person holding any office of profit or trust under them shall, without the consent of Congress, accept any present, emolument, office, or title of any kind, whatever, from any king, prince, or 
foreign state, end quote. So, Hitlery, here's your notice. Either show where Congress gave consent, specific consent, and it was voted on and approved to give you consent to receive the money from all these various foreign governments, or you are in violation of the emolument clause. And that means since you swore an oath, to the Constitution, that means you are in violation of treason of oath, my friends. Something that you no longer find unless you go to the Library of Congress and go to the stacks there. You will find that treason of oath, if you go to the Library of Congress and go through the stacks and find it, it's there that it has only one penalty. There is no jail time. There is no fine. There is only one penalty. And the penalty is death. Yes, I said it, my friends. That's what the penalty for treason of oath is. And it's clear, unless Hillary had that consent of Congress, what she did is just that. Well, various statutes and rules have been promulgated to affect the constitutional ban on foreign cash. For example, the U.S. House of Representatives bans cash payments from foreign governments. The U.S. Senate, of which Hitlery was a member from 2001 to 2009, bans cash payments from foreign governments. And the U.S. State Department bans cash payments from foreign governments. Let's take a look at the specific language from the State Department, shall we? Quote, Executive branch employees. Now let's stop right there. Hillary loves to say she wasn't an executive branch employee. Well, if being head of the secretary as secretary of state isn't an executive branch employee, I don't know what is. But that's what she loves to say. I wasn't an employee. No, no. Uh-huh. Well, it says they are subject to restrictions on the gifts that they may accept from sources outside the government, unless an exception applies. Now, back, that's back to the Constitution, you see. It's got to be exception by the Congress, see? That's what they're talking about. So unless an exception applies, executive branch employees may not accept gifts that are given because of their official positions or that come from certain interested sources. These are the prohibited sources. And then they explain, a prohibited source is a person or an organization made up of such persons who is seeking official action by, is doing business or seeking to do business with, or is regulated by the employee's agency, or has interests that may be substantially affected by the performance or non-performance of the employee's official duties. So, question, my friends, does a foreign government have business with the U.S. State Department? Is a foreign government generally seeking official action 
by the U.S. State Department? You'd better believe it. Oman, Qatar, which happens to own the Al Jazeera network, Kuwait, and Algeria all funneled cash into the Clinton Foundation while Hitlery was Secretary of State. Each country had business pending before the U.S. government, and it turns out that Hitlery even met with the Algerian Prime Minister after her foundation cashed a half a million dollar check from the Algerian government. Yep. Clinton met with the president of Algeria during a 2012 visit to the country. A State Department spokesman referred questions about the ethics office reviews to the charity. Nick Merrill, a Clinton spokesman, declined to comment. Besides Algeria, a number of other countries that donated to the foundation during Clinton's time at the State Department also lobbied the U.S. government during that time. Qatar, for instance, spent more than $5.3 million on registered lobbyists while Clinton was Secretary of State, according to the Sunlight Foundation. The country's lobbyists were reported monitoring anti-terrorism activities and efforts to combat violence in Sudan's Dufar region. Qatar has also come under criticism from some U.S. allies in the region that have accused it of supporting Hamas and other militant groups. Qatar has denied the allegations. Well, the official Team Clinton defense is that this whole thing is no big deal because the Clinton Foundation uses all the money to save lives. And who doesn't want to save lives? Oh, that makes it so much better, my friends. This is what they had to say. As with other global charities, we rely on the support of individuals, organizations, corporations, and governments who have the shared goal of addressing critical global challenges in a meaningful way. This is from the spokesman, Craig Minnison, who concluded saying, when anyone contributes to the Clinton Foundation, it goes towards foundational programs that help save lives, end quote. Notice the parsing of the language. It goes towards these things. You know, that's sort of like you're on the road and you leave... Um, you leave, let's say, uh, Salt Lake City, and you're going towards Los Angeles, but you actually end up in Dallas, Texas. But you're going towards Los Angeles. Yeah, it's a, that's the see. That's what they're doing here, my friends. Is that parsing of the language? Now. If only what this guy said was true. When anyone contributes to the Clinton Foundation, it actually goes towards fat salaries, administrative bloat, and lavish travel. Why? Because between 2009 and 2012, the Clinton Foundation raised over half 
um, or 500 million, excuse me, half a billion dollars, according to a review of IRS documents by the Federalists, 2012, 2011, 2010, 2009, and 2008. A measly 15% of that, or just 75 million, went towards programmatic grants, and more than $25 million went to fund travel expenses. Nearly $110 million went toward employee salaries and benefits, and a whopping $290 million during that period, nearly 60% of all money raised, was classified merely as other expenses. Official IRS forms do not list cigar or dry cleaning expenses as specific line items. I just thought I'd make note of that. Oh, and speaking of cigars and dry cleaning expenses, did you know, in a a not terribly related but interesting story, that there is a website out there where you can go and buy a cigar for Hillary and have it mailed to her anonymously to remind her that maybe she should do a Clinton Lewinsky ticket um, where she can get the job done of humidifying those cigars for Bill. Yeah, evidently Hillary is uh, really upset over the thousands of cigars that have been mailed to her through this uh, uh, program. But I digress. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. The Clinton Foundation may well be saving lives, but it seems odd that the cost of so many life-saving activities would be classified by the organization itself as just random miscellaneous expenses. Well, because the Clintons are, well, Clintons, you know, remember, it just depends on what the definition of is is, if you may recall. Well, their fallback defense will likely be that they didn't technically run afoul of the law. After all, Hitlery didn't officially take control of the foundation until after she left the State Department, and the Constitution doesn't ever say that foreign governments can't bribe the impeached and disbarred spouses of government officials. Sure, the Constitution says current officials can't accept dirty cash from foreign governments, but it never says that jet-set spouses who fly to, say, sex slave islands with convicted sex offenders aren't allowed to collect under-the-table foreign cash. No, it doesn't mention that. And, of course, this defense makes sense if you think the founders opposed the practice of foreign governments directly bribing U.S. officials, but wholeheartedly supported the practice of foreign governments indirectly bribing U.S. officials by paying off their spouses. After all, are we to believe that Hitler was so divorced from the goings-on of the foundations that she was just randomly given a Official control of it, including having her first name added to the tax-exempt organization's official name immediately after leaving the State Department? Hmm? Are we to believe that 
poor Hillary just had no clue what was going on at her family's tax-exempt slush fund? Hmm? Please. I did not have fiscal relations with that government. Well, that isn't going to fly this time. And there most definitely is a controlling legal authority here, and it is called the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, you remember that little th- that little phrase back in the day? No controlling legal authority. Well, there is one here. The latest foreign payola scandal is just the latest chapter in the Clinton corruption novel. They played games with dirty cash in Arkansas. They played games with dirty cash literally in the White House. And now we know they were playing games with foreign cash while Hitlery was serving as Secretary of State. You know, the founding fathers who wrote the Constitution know what could happen if U.S. officials put cash before their own country, so they ban the practice. In other words, the founders, well, they were ready for Hillary. (laughs) Yeah, there you go, my friends. Well, Ted Cruz has proven himself once again to be a rather classy individual, and he has refused to reply to the New York Times calling his views strange. Instead, he got five proud Americans to do it for him. Yeah, He's fired back. Ted Cruz is fired back at the New York Times for calling his support of the Second Amendment strange by reminding the paper that he wasn't the only, quote, ridiculous one, end quote, who felt that way about guns. No, the Texas Republican penned an op-ed for National Review and featured quotes from five gun-loving American patriots driving home the message that if guns were okay with them, then guns must not be all that bad. Cruz wrote, and this is what he said, the writer, the lead editor for the Times editorial page continued, I just don't get the argument on constitutional or historical grounds. Perhaps this will help. Let's survey some of the other silly people who have embraced this heretical understanding of our liberties. So here we go. Courtesy of Senator Cruz, five Americans who said they were okay with guns. We'll start with number one, Thomas Jefferson. Quote, And what country can preserve its liberties if its rulers are not warned from time to time that this people preserve the spirit of resistance? Let them take arms, end quote. Pretty powerful. Let's try number two, Alexander Hamilton. Quote, But if circumstances should at any time oblige the government to form an army of any magnitude, that army can never be formidable to the liberties of the people. While there is a large body of citizens, little if at all inferior to them in discipline and use of arms, who stand ready to defend their rights, end quote. Remember the... um, opening quote from the dead white guy that I did today? 
Hmm? Do you think it was just an accident I picked that out? No, my friends, had a lot to do with today's subject matter. Number three, Noah Webster, quote, Before a standing army can rule, the people must be disarmed, as they are in almost every kingdom of Europe. The supreme power in America cannot enforce unjust laws by the sword, because the whole body of the people are armed and constitute a force superior to any bands of regular troops that can be on any pretense raised in the United States, end quote. Number four, Justice Joseph Story said, quote, The rights of the citizens to keep and bear arms has been justly considered as the palladium of the liberties of a republic, since it offers a strong moral check against the usurpation and arbitrary powers of rulers, and will generally, even if these are successful in the first instance, enable the people to resist and triumph over them. End quote. And finally, last but not least, James Madison, quote, The only refuge left for those who prophesy the downfall of the state governments is the visionary supposition that the federal government may previously accumulate a military force for the projects of ambition. The reasonings contained in these papers must have been employed to little purpose indeed if it could be necessary now to disprove the reality of this danger, that the people and the state should for a sufficient period of time, elect an uninterrupted succession of men ready to betray both that the traitors should should thoroughly this period throughout this period uniformly and systematically pursue some fixed plan for the extension of military establishment that the governments and the people of the state should silently and patiently hold the gathering storm and continue to supply the materials until it should be prepared to burst on their own heads must appear to everyone more like the incoherent dreams of a delirious jealousy or the misguided exaggerations of a counterfeit zeal than like the sober apprehensions of genuine patriotism. There you go, my friends. Five men who show that Senator Ted Cruz isn't all that strange after all. Okay. Um... I don't have time to do this, so I'll just encapsulate it here. David Horowitz was offered a speaking engagement um, uh, to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Well, you know, when uh, David Horowitz speaking on your campus, if you're, if you're a campus and you invite David Horowitz to speak, and your campus makes you feel unsafe because he's speaking there, well, you know what? That means the terrorists have won. This is the new face of campus horror. And you, as you may remember, David Horowitz is the PC-hating activist whose personal odyssey from a hardcore 60s radical lefty to a Reagan-Gronken conservative uh, agitator has been documented endlessly in his own writings and those of countless other champions and critics. And, well, 
they're, they're doing a hashtag campaign under the not safe UNC because he's going to be speaking there, my friends. Yeah. Yeah. And they claim they love intellectual diversity, but not if he's going to be speaking. Uh-huh. Right. Like I said, this is what the, your your kids are facing these days when they go to these supposed institutes of higher learning. They're not institutes of higher learning, my friends. Absolutely not. Okay. Um, when we come back from the break, uh, we got 24 links of interest. I... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't have time to do them. I guess uh, I'm just going to tell you. We have 24 links of interest of various things that you really need to know about, my friends. But I'm not even going to get to tell you that because the law school segment is a little long this week. <laughs> Sorry. I just ran out of time. What can I say? So you're just going to have to have the newsletter. <laughs> what can I say? You stay tuned. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one forty. 
$149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler. Constitutional counselor and still all around, pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs everywhere. And I'm sure they're rejoicing that I wasn't able to get through the 24 links of interest that's in this week's show newsletter, um, especially since a good third of them are follow-ups on things that I've told you about before and big C I told you so's. Uh, so what that means, my friends, is simply you're just going to have to support this show and get a copy of this show newsletter yourself to see what it is all about. In the meantime, I'll do the critical thinking segment, which comes to us courtesy of liberallogic101.com a site that I really enjoy an awful lot. And it's a meme that they made up, and it's a three-part meme. First part, it says, in the election of 1980, Democrats argued that at age 69, Ronald Reagan would be too old to effectively serve as president. Second part, in the election of 2008, Democrats argued that John McCain, at age 72 on Election Day, would probably die in office. Part three, Hillary Clinton will be 69 on Election Day. The reaction from Democrats? Well, let's listen. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Crickets chirping, my friends. Exactly. Okay. This is the section of the show. We call the Roy's School of Guerrilla Lawfare. That's L-A-W for learn and win through a better education. By now, 
most of you are aware of the multiple recall attempts against Wisconsin's governor by union thugs and other apparate chicks of the liberal socialist government that he was trying to bring under control in Wisconsin. But now it's been revealed the level of personal politics of destruction that these people engaged in using the John Doe laws. And National Review has done an investigative article entitled, I Thought It Was a Home Invasion. Not going to be able to get through all this, my friends, but I'll get through as much of it as I can, because this shows you just how bad it was then. And I, your host, personally understand an awful lot of this, as I have personally been subjected to much of the exact same techniques throughout the years applied to me to try to shut me up, my friends. So, from the May 4th, yes, it isn't even May yet, but we're reading here from the May 4th edition of National Review, they start out with a quote, they came with a battering ram. Yes, Cindy Archer, one of the lead architects of Wisconsin's Act 10, also called the Wisconsin Budget Repair Bill, because it limited employee benefits and altered collective bargaining rules for public employees. Well, she was jolted awake by yelling, loud pounding at the door, and her dog's frantic barking, and the entire house, the windows and walls were shaking, and she looked outside to see a dozen police officers yelling to open the door, and they were carrying a battering ram. Well, she wasn't dressed, except maybe in her birthday suit, we can say, and she started to run toward the door with her body in full view of the police, and some yelled at her to grab some clothes, while others yelled for her to open the door. Quote, I was so afraid, she says, I didn't know what to do. She grabbed some clothes, opened the door, and dressed right in front of the police, and the dogs were still frantic. Quote, I begged and begged, please don't shoot my dogs, please don't shoot my dogs, just don't shoot my dogs. I couldn't get them to stop barking, and I couldn't get them outside quick enough. I saw a gun and barking dogs, and I was scared. I knew this was a bad mix, end quote. Well, she got the dogs safely out of the house. Just as multiple armed agents rushed inside, some even barged into the bathroom where her partner was in the shower. The officer or agent in charge demanded that Cindy sit on the couch, but she simply got up to get a cup of coffee. Quote, I told him this was my house and I could do what I wanted. Wrong thing to say. Quote, this made the agent in charge furious. He towered over me with his finger in my face and yelled like a drill sergeant that I either do it his way or he would handcuff me, end quote. 
They wouldn't let her speak to an attorney. She looked outside, saw a person who appeared to be a reporter. After all, someone had tipped him off. And the neighbors started to come outside, curious at the commotion and all, while the police searched her house, making a mess, and according to Cindy, leaving her, quote, dead mother's belongings strewn across the basement floor in a most disrespectful way, end quote. And when they left, they were carrying with them only a cell phone and a laptop. Yeah. You see, it was a matter of life or death. Mm-hmm. In another story, this Anne tells, and Anne is not her real name, tells the story that someone was pounding on her front door. It was early in the morning, very early, and it's the kind of heavy pounding that meant someone was either fleeing from or bringing trouble. She said, Anne, it was so hard. I never heard anything like it. I thought someone was dying outside. She ran to the door, opened it, and then chaos. Quote, People came pouring in. For a second, I thought it was a home invasion. It was terrifying. They were yelling and running into every room of the house. One of the men was in my face yelling at me over and over, end quote. It was indeed a home invasion. But the people who were pouring in were Wisconsin law enforcement officers, armed, uniformed police swarmed into the house. Plainclothes investigators cornered her and her newly awakened family. Soon, state officials were seizing the family's personal property, including each person's computer and smartphone, filled with the most intimate family information. Why were the police at Anne's home? She had no answers. The police were treating them the way they'd seen police treat drug dealers on television. In fact, TV or movies were their only points of reference because they weren't criminals. They were law-abiding citizens. They didn't buy or sell drugs. They weren't violent. They weren't a danger to anyone. Yet, there were the cops surrounding their house on the outside, swarming the house on the inside. They eventually taunted the family as if they were mere perps. And if the home invasion, the appropriation of private property, the verbal abuse weren't enough, next came the ominous warnings. Don't you dare call an attorney. Don't you dare tell anyone about this raid. Not your mother, your father, or your closest friends. The entire neighborhood could see the police around their house, but they had to remain silent. This was not the right to remain silent, as uttered by every cop on legal drama on television, the right against self-incrimination. They couldn't mount a public defense if they wanted or even offer an explanation to fans, to family or friends. Yet no one in this group was a perp. Instead, like Cindy, they were American citizens guilty of nothing more than exercising their First Amendment rights to support Act 10 and other conservative causes in Wisconsin. Sitting there shocked and terrified, this citizen 
who is still too intimidated to speak on the record, kept thinking, is this America? Yeah. For the family of Rachel, again, not her real name, the ordeal began before dawn with the same loud, insistent knocking. Still in her pajamas, Rachel answered the door and saw uniformed police poised to enter her home. When Rachel asked to wake her children herself, the officer insisted on walking into their rooms. The kids woke to an armed officer standing near their beds. The entire family was herded into one room where they were watched as the police carried off their personal possessions, including items that had nothing to do with the subject of the search warrant, even her daughter's computer. And yes, there were the warnings. Don't you call an attorney. Don't talk to anyone about this. Don't tell your friends. The kids were watched and alarmed as the school bus drove by with the students inside watching the spectacle of the uniformed police surrounding the house carrying out the family's belongings. Yet they were told they couldn't tell anyone at school. They, too, had to remain silent. The mom watched as her entire life was laid open before the police, her personal files, her professional files, everything. She knew this was all politics. She knew a rogue prosecutor was targeting her for political beliefs. Sounds very familiar to me, my friends. A rogue prosecutor targeting someone for political politics. Well, she realized, quote, every aspect of my life is in their hands and they hate me, end quote. Fortunately for her family, the police didn't taunt her or her children. Some of them seemed embarrassed by what they were doing. And at the end of the ordeal, one officer looked at the family, still confined in one room, and said, some days I hate my job, end quote. Well, for Dozens of conservatives, the years since Scott Walker's first election as governor of Wisconsin, transformed the state, known for its pro football championships, good cheese, and a population with a reputation for being unfailingly polite, into a place where conservatives have faced early morning raids, multi-year secretive criminal investigations, slanderous and selective leaks to sympathetic media, and intrusive electronic snooping. Yes, Wisconsin. The cradle of the Wisconsin idea, the marriage of state governments and state universities to govern through technocratic reform, was giving birth to a new progressive idea. The use of law enforcement as a political instrument, as a weapon to attempt to undo election results, shame opponents, and ruin lives. Most Americans have never heard of these raids or of the lengthy criminal investigations of Wisconsin conservatives. And for good reason. 
Bound by comprehensive secrecy orders, conservatives were left to suffer in silence as leaks ruined their reputations, as neighbors looked through windows and dismayed at the massive police presence. The lights shining down on Target's homes wondered, no doubt, what on earth did that family do? My friends, I understand this very, very well. Because those of you that are long-term listeners of this show remember my description of when they came to arrest me and had their 15 agents that they flew in from Washington, D.C. in eight or nine rental cars, vans, etc., and laid out their gas-powered battering ram that they had brought to my apartment with sliding glass rear door. Yeah, they needed a gas-powered battering ram for a sliding glass back door, right. And, and all this display that they had. And when I was finally released, people said, what the heck was that all about? And I said, well, let me tell you what it was all about. And I told them what it was all about because I wasn't under this kind of type of gag order like, the, like these people in Wisconsin. And people said, well, I knew when I saw you walking back here after just the next day that it couldn't have been all that terribly serious. <laughs> Um, and it was a big dog and pony show meant to intimidate. And I said, you got that right. Well, the question is, like I said, these people were gagged. And what were they to do? Well, this was the on-the-ground reality of the so-called John Doe investigations, an expansive and secret criminal proceedings that directly targeted Wisconsin residents because of their relationship to Governor Scott Walker and for their support for Act 10 and their advocacy for conservative reform. Largely hidden from the public eye, this traumatic process, however, is now heading toward a legal climax with two key rulings expected in the late spring or early summer. Yes, my friends, it isn't over yet. I'm just finally telling you about the things that are allowed to be told, okay? The first ruling from the Wisconsin Supreme Court could halt the investigations for good. Yes, the investigations are still going on in part by declaring that the, quote, misconduct, end quote, being investigated isn't misconduct at all, but the simple exercise of First Amendment rights. The second ruling from the United States Supreme Court could grant review on a federal lawsuit brought by Wisconsin political activist Eric O'Keefe and the Wisconsin Club for Growth, the first conservatives to challenge the investigations head-on. If the court grants review, it could not only halt the investigations, but also begin the process of holding accountable those public officials who have so abused their powers. But, no matter the outcome of these court proceedings, the damage has been done. In the words of Mr. O'Keefe, quote, 
the process is the punishment, end quote. Oh, I can really understand that, my friends. The lengthy trial and depositions and et cetera that went on um, in the process of the, uh, that eventually led to the sham kangaroo court, quote, trial, end quote. In my case, yeah, that was punishment in and of itself. My whole life put on hold and turned upside down. I understand it very well. Well, back to this Wisconsin thing. It all began innocently enough. That sounds familiar, too. In 2009, officials from the office of the Milwaukee County Executive contacted the office of the Milwaukee District Attorney, headed by John Chilsholm, to investigate the disappearance of 11000 $242 and 24 cents. Yes, they got this right down to the penny, my friends. And the disappearance of this 11 grand from the Milwaukee chapter of the Order of the Purple Heart. The matter was routine, with witnesses willing and able to testify against the principal suspect, a man named Kevin Kavanaugh. What followed, however, was anything but routine. Chisholm failed to act promptly on the report, and when he did act, he refused to conduct a criminal, uh, conventional criminal investigation, but instead petitioned in May 2010 to open a John Doe investigation, a proceeding under Wisconsin law that permits Wisconsin officials to conduct extensive investigations while keeping the target's identities secret, hence the designation as John Doe. Well, John Doe investigations alter typical criminal procedure in two important ways. First, they remove grand juries from the investigative process, replacing the ordinary citizens of a grand jury with a supervising judge. Second, they can include strict secrecy requirements, not just on the prosecution, but also on the targets of the investigation. In practice, this means that while the prosecution cannot make public comments about the investigation, it can take public actions indicting criminal suspicion, such as raiding businesses and homes in full view of the community, while preventing the targets of the raid from defending against or even discussing the prosecution's claims. So, why would Chisholm seek such broad powers to investigate a year-old embezzlement claim with a known suspect? Well, because the Milwaukee County Executive, Scott Walker, had at that time become the leading Republican candidate for governor. And District Attorney Chisholm was a Democrat a very partisan Democrat. 
Almost immediately after opening the John Doe investigation, Chisholm used his expansive powers to embarrass Walker, raiding his county executive offices within a week. As for Mr. O'Keefe and the Wisconsin Club for Growth, explained in court filings the investigation then dramatically expanded and this is what they said quote over the next few months chisholm's investigation of all things walker expanded to include everything from alleged campaign finance violations to sexual misconduct to alleged public contract bid rigging to alleged misuse of county time and property between may 5 2010 and May 3, 2012, the Milwaukee defendants filed at least 18 petitions to formally enlarge the scope of the John Doe investigation, and each was granted. That amounts to a new formal inquiry every five and a half weeks on average for two years. Yeah. You know, my friends... This article, which goes on and on, and I don't know how much more I'll be able to get to you, but it shows that this thing was a personal witch hunt on the part of Chisholm and a corrupt judge that worked in uh, cahoots with him to do these John Doe investigations. And what happened? is that the expansion of this investigation coincided with one of the more remarkable state-level political controversies in modern American history, and that is the protest and passage of Act 10, followed by the attempted recall of a number of Wisconsin legislatures and ultimately the attempted recall against Governor Walker. Well, political observers will no doubt remember the events in Madison, the state capitol overrun by chanting protesters, Democrat lawmakers fleeing the state to prevent votes on the legislation, and tens of millions of dollars of outside money flowing into the state of Wisconsin. And it became fundamentally a proxy fight, pitting the union-led left against the Tea Party-led economic right. Yeah. Well, there you go, my friends. That's about all that, that I have time for on this. But it's coming out now. Things that I told you about back then, I said, this smells, and it smells like three-day-old dead fish left out on a warm counter in the middle of summer. Yeah, it stinks that bad. I knew it then, and now that we read about these John Doe raids and people being told, you can't even contact counsel, because if you contact counsel, you'll be prosecuted further. Yeah. And now, even years after it started, people are still afraid to give their names. You watch, my friends. This is a smear campaign. And unlike what some people would say, me doing a smear campaign on Hillary, well, (laughs) this is a smear campaign with documented evidence 
are undocumented evidence, fabricated evidence, unlike Hillary where we have documented evidence. Yeah. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Constitutional Crusaders show, my friends. What can I say? Until next week, unless the creek rises or a John Doe investigation is held against me and they come and take me away again, my fellow Americans, keep your powder dry. is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. 
No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. 